and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? Oh, I'm very excited. Oh, okay. Uh, do you remember a while ago, um, no. we, uh, we asked, uh, we, we complained that other podcasts we listen to get, seem to always be getting stuff sent to them in the mail. Yeah. Now we get all this awesome stuff. I know. We got those Tim Tams. We got so many Tim Tams. And I'm out of Tim Tams, by the way. I think I said that last week. I know I, there are places I can get them here. I don't know where I can get the caramel ones. Maybe I can... Do you say caramel or caramel? I say caramel. Yeah. Hang on. You know That's what? Things, I go back and forth. Yeah. You know what else I'd go back and forth with? Uh, pajama, pajama. Pajamas, pajamas. Uh, no, I only go the, the former. Yeah. Anyway, um, listener uh, Seth H. I never know if I should say people's last names. I know that if I wrote into a show, I wouldn't want my last name okay. uh, said, but I'm weird. Um, so Seth H. has a band. It's called... Um, a Horse and His Boy, which I looked up. It's a reference to a short story by an author you've heard of, and I forget now because oh, okay. I looked it up a week ago when I got this in the mail. Uh, so um, I want to tell you, Seth, um, thank you. Tyler's just getting his now, so he hasn't listened to it. I have mine in the car and also haven't listened to it, but oh. I, I will have listened to it soon. I like the name. I like the artwork. I was going to ask on so, air if you thought I would like it, and then you have to be honest. Um, I think that you like uh, I'll, I'll bet that packaging is to your liking. It is. It seems sort of, I don't know, old-timey, affected. You like that Tom Waits bullshit? <laughs> yeah, I do. And you know what? Looking at this is like, yeah, man, this, this is me all over. All right. So, all um, right. But enough about us. Yeah, enough about us is exactly right. I want to get that out of the way because we have a guest this week. Um, oh, what, what am I doing here? We'll, we'll get to that. Okay. Tyler's giving me the, uh, I thought he was giving me the bunt signal for a second. Um <laughs> oh, okay, but uh, we'll we'll get to that in a second because I I don't want to keep our guest quiet any longer. She's clearly a ball of energy waiting to explode and talk about movies all over this podcast. I'm just saying she. Ugh, I, I, I was going to say Wait, like, I just said talk about movies all over all over this. this po- it just sounds horrible. But um, all right, we guys, don't, I think you've built me and my exploding properties up now. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't know if she stands by the product that we're going to be talking about later. Don't get me wrong. You know what? If she were to use it, there's no question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. When you come on this show, you stand by tweakedaudio.com. Okay. We'll get to that. Yeah. All right. Um, with no further ado, from, uh, uh, from boxofficemagazine.com and from movieline.com, Amy Nicholson, thank you for being here. Hello. Thank you for having me. Um, thanks, for, thanks for coming up. Th- uh, well, I say thanks for coming up to the Valley, but for all I know, you lived on the street. Oh, God, no. No, I live in Hollywood. What are you talking about? You live in oh, Hollywood? Okay. <laughs> I miss Hollywood. I live in North Hollywood here as well now, but I lived in Hollywood for my first five years that I lived in Los Angeles. I thought you liked living in North Hollywood. I do, but okay. I also, I, you know what, last weekend between, like, I went to, I went to see Argo uh, in, in Hollywood, and then I went, like, to, to Malo with some friends, and I was like, oh, this is where I used to hang out all the time. And then I was back down for another, uh, this open house at my girlfriend's work on Sunday in Hollywood, and I was like... I miss this place. Ugh. As well you should, but you guys have me nervous that you've rigged my chair to explode. So can we just confirm that I'm going to survive? <laughs> you're going to be all right. Okay. Yeah, you're, you're, you're going to be right. all right. Okay. Um, well, I mean, like, you'll be physically okay. Emotionally, <laughs> you could probably be pretty drained be by the end. Um, how long have you lived in Hollywood? I have lived in Hollywood for 11 years. Wow. I've always lived between two streets, Western and Normandy, sometimes further north, sometimes further south. But yeah? I hold firm that my neighborhood, which is controlled by the... Uh, MS-13 is the safest neighborhood in Los Angeles because they keep it calm. 
I used to live, um, <clears throat> this might be near you uh, because it's between Western and Normandy. I used to live at Fountain and Kingsley. Yeah. I know uh, exactly where that is. You buy all the good Armenian food. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and right next door to a TV repair place and a oh, yeah. weed dispensary. That sounds like the neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can just picture just like, oh, man, my TV's broken. What am I going to do to occupy my time now? Oh, I know. And then you walk into the weed dispensary and you're like, man, I'm really hungry. I could really go for some Armenian food. Like there's really, it really works well, out actually, like that. that d- there's it, a little I narrative mean, there. I, I don't actually get high myself, but my, my, then, my girlfriend at the time that I lived with did. And so that was very convenient for her. And then she broke our TV possibly because she was high and that was very convenient for me. And then you were so mad she went and bought you a falafel. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, because that's a suitable replacement for potheads. They're just like, this should work, right? Isn't this enough? <laughs> but I'll tell you, the one dangerous thing about living in a neighborhood with so many medicinal marijuana things is they all call themselves doctor. And I like walked into at least two of them once, and I was looking for, for medical eye drops. I mean, just legit eye drops. You, you just can't tell. You walk in, and all of a sudden, there's a guy with a gun checking your ID, like an off-duty cop, and you realize you're in the wrong place. Right. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Yeah, you're making me miss... Uh, do, do you... Uh, do you, do you eat tacos? All the time. And do you go to the El Matador truck, uh, Western and Lexington? I have got, actually gone there a couple of times. Yeah, that place is pretty good. Yeah, that's the one, because there's two that's in that parking lot. The one that's closer yeah. to the freeway on the left is yeah. El Matador, and it is my favorite uh, my favorite taco in Los Angeles. I don't know why you ever left. Uh, well, I moved in with my girlfriend, and I love it. Actually, I love North Hollywood. Um, he said again, trying to convince himself. No, I, I love it because I... Where I live, I'm literally, like, two blocks from the red line. Um, and so that that area has, you know, we've got a Lindley movie theater. We've got, you know, bars and restaurants. And it's very easy to get to Hollywood or downtown. Actually, wait. I think I know exactly where you live. And that place is cool. And I heard that there's a... Oh, no, I don't live in that building. Well, right. But, like, you live yeah. in Theater Row. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm uh, yeah, behind yeah. it, pretty much. Yeah. I heard there's yeah. a really good uh, Puerto Rican restaurant right there. But I haven't been. I, I haven't been either. What, what kind of food? Uh, Puerto Rican sounds meaty. Yeah, it's all meat and plantains. They do this thing called like mofongo. It's mashed plantains oh. with deep fried bits of bacon. Yes, it's I've amazing. heard of that. Oh, it's like the greatest. My girlfriend's veg- uh, vegetarian, so I, uh, yeah, I might have to go on my own now, at some point. I can never take part in these discussions, so I'm going to... You don't eat food? Well, let me ask you this. As close what, to it as possible. Let me ask you this. What's your take on, say, chicken strips? Pro, con? What do you think? Pro, but only when drunk or watching sports. Oh, okay. All right. Let's see. I don't do either of those, but I do enjoy chicken strips. Okay. What about pizza? Do you like pizza? Do I Do I not breathe? Okay. All right. What kind of pizza do you like? Actually, my best friend and I realized that, the, that we had the soulmate connection when we realized we had the exact same favorite pizza, which we both thought we had invented. Okay. It's the pineapple pepperoni. No. Yeah. Pineapple pepperoni jalapeno. Wow. And it was like magic because I thought I was the weird person for suggesting it. And then she revealed that she ordered it all the time and we just like locked eyes. And now it's weird because I want to order other pieces with her. And, but we can't. It's like a betrayal. Well, it's, let's it's funny because, Amy, if you know anything about me, you know that I like pineapples. But I don't like pineapples on pizza. Well, then as I eat a pineapple, I say that. I don't think you really love pineapple. <laughs> I no, think you just, just you're infatuated, maybe. <laughs> now, here's the thing. You are the guest, so I don't want to insult you. However, oh, um, <laughs> You know, uh, just because you found somebody else like you, that doesn't mean you're not weird. It's a lot of weird <laughs> stuff to put on a pizza. Now, admittedly, anything besides pepperoni is weird to me. 
But uh, yeah. That's, Wait, I'm supposed to take this from a guy who just said he doesn't eat? Yeah. No, I eat plenty of stuff. Well, hang no, on. you don't. Hang you on. eat Slow five down. things. Slow you down. eat plenty of. I eat plenty of those things. Yes. <laughs> so I'm like so a, excited like a, when I discovered Tim Tams. That's thing number six. I like a tomato and mushroom pizza. Do you really like that? Or are you saying that because your girlfriend's a vegetarian? No, that's actually something. Uh, the tomato mushroom has been my order for since years before I ever met her. And then when she realized that that was your favorite pizza, your eyes met, and you realized you were soulmates. Do you know? Do you want um, to hear a cute story? Do you want to know how we realized uh, we were soulmates? No. Okay. No, yes, yes, All yes. right. Um, we met through a, a mutual friend. She went to high school with a guy that I know from going to comedy shows. Um, the guy I do used to do my other podcast with, Sean. Um, and so I was at a party at Sean's, and the party was wrapping up, and we were like, let's go downtown. And she was, let's go to the Golden Gopher. And she was like, uh, I'll drive. And I just met her that night, and um, we passed under a, a light, as it, a, a yellow light, and we both did the thing where, I don't know if you do this, where you like... I've only seen you do it. Yeah, you like kiss your finger and touch the top of the roof. Like you give a, it's like a good luck thing when you go under a yellow light. And we literally met that night and both did it. And that was kind of our little like meet cute. Aww. Oh. <laughs> and, you do, and you do not believe in luck. That's just a no, thing you do. It's a thing I've done since I don't even know when. That's fascinating. Um, I had to try so hard not to do it on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> well, because you you'd have to stand up. To, I had to jump. To I think to actually to actually do, do that. Do you know where that bus roof has been? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I've been, I've been you know uh, looking at it whenever I whenever I nod off on the bus. Now, here's the thing. So far, we have established that our guest. Now, you did mention uh, Box Office Magazine and Movie Line. Uh, so, theoretically, she talks movies. Uh, but so far, Hollywood and food yeah. is all we've talked well, about. Well, I want to get to Texas now. Oh, okay. Because uh, you want to pick on my home state? No, not at all. I, not at all. I wouldn't huh. dream of it. Those people are quite violent. Yes. <laughs> Started already. I can prove that. No, I love the idea of Texas. I've only driven through the very top of it <clears throat> on my way, on my move out here from Chicago. Uh, and um, the U-Haul overheated in a town called Shamrock. Oh, yeah, I know Shamrock. You do? I've driven through it, at least. How yeah. appropriate something so unlucky would happen in Shamrock. Are you yeah. Irish? Um, have my, my, my last name, Bax, is, is German, but uh, I am a lot of my ancestry is also Irish. Okay. It's probably a sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah probably. Um, and in St. Louis, where I'm from, we, we do, uh, do St. Patrick's Day right. St. Patrick's Day here, it's nothing. It's just like... Douches go to some bars. Yeah, no, I'm from San Antonio, and we dye the river green. Yeah, well, we yeah, li- we both live in Chicago, uh, and they that do place that. does it pretty well. Yeah, yeah, I was when I was when I was in film school. I was on my way to a Saturday morning class, like it was like a uh, it was like an 11 a.m. or noon class. So I was on the train at like 10:15 or 11:15 in the morning, the day of the parade, and there was a guy puking on the train of course from having drink <laughs> from being so drunk at yeah. 10 or 11 in the morning on, on the day of the i am proud break. of that man yeah no, i he have takes to assume his cultural he, heritage seriously i have to assume he did not sleep it reminds me of one of my favorite uh lines in the simpsons it's lionel hutz who uh i think he's uh looking through a dumpster early in the morning and then uh marge i don't know they have a conversation then uh Lionel Hutz, he's like, he's like, would you care to join me for a belt of scotch? And he pulls out a flask, and she's like, it's 10 a.m. He's like, yes, but I haven't slept in days. <laughs> and, it's one, oh, and it's the kind yeah. of line that uh, Phil Hartman could d- deliver perfectly. Or just uh, R.I.P. When I was at, yes. 
uh, at, at this past Mardi Gras, the first Mardi Gras I've been to, I was walking around New Orleans with my friend who lives there, and we ran into one of his friends who was stumbling out of, bar, out of a bar and being held up. And it was like like being not mugged. Oh, yeah. Like okay. He was oh. being like supported because he was so drunk. Yeah. It was like going on two in the morning, and he was and it was the day before Mardi Gras day, and he was like, Zulu Parade, eight a.m. You gonna be there? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> like you're not gonna be there. <laughs> anyway, um, so Texas is where you're from. What part of Texas? San Antonio. Uh, yes, where the Alamo is from. Yeah. Well, and it's where the Alamo is and has stayed. Right? Yes. Yes. It, it's not from that. Well. I suppose the bricks could have been from somewhere oh, else and moved, but yeah. we're thinking about it really deeply. And before you ask that, no, there is no basement, because I get asked that every single time I say I'm from San Antonio. Because people know, but people, if they've seen Pee Wee's Big Adventure, they know there's no basement. It's I don't, very clear. Then isn't it weird they keep asking? Yeah. It makes no sense. Yeah. Now, we, it's my one thing I know about the Alamo, we is that there's no, no basement. basement, but yet, first question. <laughs> if there's one time. thing I know about San Antonio, it's that folks there know what picante t- sauce should taste like. Oh yeah, not okay. New York City. Okay, York just making City. sure. Yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, was it Ozzy Osbourne who peed on the Alamo? Yes, it was. Yeah, he was banned by the Daughters of the Republic of Texas, yeah. who um, my family is a member of, but they they did not vote for it. Okay. My my grandmother's always railing against them for being too conservative. <laughs> she supports Ozzy Osbourne. Good for her. Yeah. So do I. Um, and maybe he actually not, maybe not anymore. I don't know. So well, sometimes he. I was gonna make it. Okay. Right. And the um, thing is, people pee on the Alamo every day. It's like right next to a bunch of bars. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So talk about how you. Uh, uh, what What is your your history with movies? How did you come to be such a movie lover? Oh well. Like everybody, of course, I adored them. Although I don't think I got the normal childhood education in them because I'm an only child. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get to watch any of the cool 80s movies until I was in college. They just weren't what around. What are the cool 80s movies? I, like, I, I, I never either. saw Breakfast at Tiffany or Breakfast at Tiffany's. I never saw The Breakfast Club until I was 19. So I feel like I oh. came really late to 80s movies. My dad was always making me watch Zorba the Greek. Oh, that's a great movie. <laughs> it's an awesome movie. I'm grateful now. But, you know, I. I think the first time I had to admit that I hadn't seen The Goonies when I was 25, I got yelled at for like by 10, maybe 10 minutes. And then I was forced to watch it. I have watched it. I've watched it. I've watched it. It's you know what? You're not going to yell at me. I get yelled at by me. Yeah. I, I watched I, it when I was a kid. I've watched it since. Does not hold up. <laughs> yeah. I don't care much for yeah. it. Yeah. If, if I watched it for the first time at 25, I assume you then got mad at your friends for making you watch it. Yeah. I mean, th- th- that's the thing. You come to this stuff so late, it never holds that spell over you. Yeah. I which watched, is the problem. Um, it's within the last, well, w- uh, within the last couple of months, I finally saw Dark Crystal, which is something that people oh, my age yeah. told me. That thing is a snooze. I don't know. Are you a fan of that movie? Oh, it gave me nightmares. Is that the same thing? Uh, <laughs> well, no, I guess that would keep you from, from being able to snooze. Um, I don't know. There was that one. Did you get to see T- Dark Crystal as a kid? Yeah, I actually remember getting to see it in an after-school program uh, where they just wanted to terrify everybody. Yeah, I guess I can imagine that being scary... Definitely to a kid, but I just found oh, it. Yeah. It's really it, it's it's the movie's so inert. It just sort of like loiters in each scene and then like moves over to the scene and loiters there for a while. I think people instinctively, because of when it was made and, and the type of movie it is, I think people immediately lump it in with Labyrinth. Well, they're right. because Jim they both Jim Henson related. Um, Labyrinth's not good either, but it's fun at least. It's fun. It has and, a sense and, of whim- whimsy to it. Yeah, and there's some nice pulpy things. And but it, that also, as a kid, like that frightened me as well. It's true. Well, it's weird. Uh, 
a friend of mine got a peek at my Netflix queue the other day and started making fun of me because what I had in it was the top three were Cocoon 1, Cocoon 2, and Batteries Not Included. <laughs> and oh, you're a big Don Amici fan. That's the thing. I realized that when I was a kid, my hero in life, were, well, I had two, Jessica Tandy and Gilda Radner. And it's, I realize now how weird that is growing up with parents like, mm-hmm. and, no, and, no, and no cool older brother. But that these yeah. are the people I idolized. I thought Jessica Tandy was like the biggest superstar in the world when I was seven. So I was revisiting all her classic roles, and she's still amazing. Yeah, that you know what? That makes you cool in my book. Very cool. For Thank no, you. For no particular reason, when I was a kid, I really idolized Tim Curry. Yeah, as well you should. Now, I'm not sure. I'm not so sure. Like, he, like, he was always like a ham actor, but if the role suited it, like Pennywise right. or um, Wadsworth from Clue or, um, or I the can't, character from Legend, I don't remember what it's called. Or his one from Oscar where he plays the speech teacher Oscar, because I love that movie. I've never seen Oscar. Because that's mine. Like, I, I think like your friends recommending Goonies to you. I have nothing but good memories of Oscar, but I haven't seen it since I was a kid. You know, I rewatched it two years ago. I think it holds up. Yeah. I know, it's, it's got, obviously, Sylvester Stallone and Tim Curry, but also Marissa Jasmine Tomei. Terry, Marissa Tomei, uh, Peter Riegert. Peter Riegert is yeah, in it. it's everybody is cast. in this. And I think Sylvester Stallone is a really underappreciated actor. Me too. I, actually, I agree. I rewatched um, Copland not that long ago, um, yeah. which I, I think isn't as good as I thought it was at the time, because it seemed so different for him at the time. I think maybe yeah. I was a little generous to it, and because I was 15 or whatever and didn't know anything. Uh, but it's still, he's good in it. It's, it's Did not take a, a salary movie. for that movie. Did you know that? Yeah. Yeah, that's like the big thing I knew about that movie oh. is that oh. he he knew that the filmmakers were taking a risk by casting him in that role, uh, and uh, so he said, "Since you're taking the risk, I, I I'll take that financially on me." I like so. that. That's his like scrappy. I yeah. made Rocky mentality, and yeah. he's paying it forward to the next generation. Yeah. And he gained some weight, and, and the, uh, he's, he is good in that movie. The big thing I take away from Copland is De Niro's line from the trailer, which is like, "I gave you the chance to be a real cop, and you blew it." Because that's become like a thing between me and my girlfriend. We could like <laughs> tell each other, you blow it. See, now what I know is that being a co- uh, being right is not a bulletproof vest, <laughs> Freddie. But uh, so, All okay. Right. So um, what stuff, like, what stuff did you, because I, I am somebody, I had an older brother. I would venture to say a cool older brother. Matt, I know you listened and I thought you were cool. Um, he's, he's, he, you can tell, he's very sincere in his eyes when he says that. <laughs> I can't tell if you're being sarcastic or not because <laughs> I don't know how I meant it. But um, but he exposed me to a lot of things that, frankly, my parents would not have approved of. Yes, we did go and see Seven when I was far, Whoa. far too young. Uh, a movie called Lord of Illusions, oh, yeah, which is sure. very disturbing. And I was like 12, 13. I should not have been seeing these movies yeah, in the theaters. Daniel Von, Von Bargen. Uh, is that the, is the director? No, he's the uh, he's one of the actors. Uh, I don't remember. I feel like Kevin J. O'Connor is in there. Yeah, he is. He is? Yeah. And Scott Bakula. Who is, who's the actual, like, the magician who gets, like... That's him. That's Kevin J. O'Connor, who, yeah. like, does the thing where he, like, the swords fall on yeah. him, and he's, like, just barely gets out of the way, but then it goes wrong, and he gets, like, impaled by a sword. Yeah. And, uh, That's the only thing that sticks He plays a... Ca- the, the magician's name is Swan, and uh, incidentally, one time I was playing Pictionary with my uh, parents and brother, and I was on my brother's team, and I had to draw Illusion. So what I did is I drew a stick figure with swords sticking out of him. <laughs> I did three, uh, three words, and I circled the last word, and he got it. And I was very excited. <laughs> and then your parents forbid you from hanging <laughs> I don't think I had to do it, because it was an all play. So they were focused on what they were doing, and I 
and I, so they didn't they didn't care how I how I got it. We'll have to talk about so. these Pictionary rules. I don't, I don't think I know that. Oh, okay. Play yeah. thing. But uh, yeah, what, what what did you watch as a, as a kid? Uh, I watched a lot of Mr. Science Theater with my fa- with my dad for yeah. sure, and. I was really into Steve Gutenberg. I thought the Police Academy <laughs> movies were classic. I mean, Citizens on Patrol is probably my favorite one. Uh, it's embarrassing that I probably watched the movie where Bobcat Goldthwait had a talking horse. Hot like, to trot. Yes, hot to trot. I think I saw that like six or seven times. Oh, and Oh God, You Devil, the Oh God series with George Burns. Yeah, I didn't see. I, I Those watched, were great. I watched 18 again a lot when I was a kid. I don't even remember that one. Yeah. Wait, who who were the people who got swept in that one? I well, get all the George body Burns, ones. And yeah. then... And a, a young guy, but then the young guy's like best friend is I think Paulie Shore, like a then like unknown. Oh Pauly wow, Shore. really? Uh, I think it's Paulie Shore. It's it's someone like that. In the key of Paulie Shore. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody who is uh, something of a human joke now. Um, uh, as opposed to then when he was right, yeah. well-respected thespian. <laughs> yeah, but we all got Pauly the Shore. joke then, um, <laughs> and uh, and just wanted more. But uh, so let's see. So police, so you really like just embraced, and I don't say this in any uh, in a negative way. Uh-oh. You really embraced very '80s movies, like movies that when you think of, like when we think of the '80s now, like we think of, well, Steve Gutenberg, frankly, yeah. Cocoon, Police Academy, like Three Men and a Baby. He was in that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, like he is just, and it's, and he's a perfectly fine actor. He's just somebody I think because he's so associated with the '80s. I think people, in an attempt to distance themselves from that decade, they distance themselves from him, and I think that's a shame, because he was a good actor. I think it is a shame. I mean, when he's in Police Academy, and he had that shirt on that said, Bun in the Oven. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember that, but that's very funny. But yeah, no, I think think we forget about the regular movies of the 80s, which I think are the ones that I saw the most, because it was the regular ones that got picked up on cable, Mm -hmm. and I would just see them late at night, over and over on repeat, which is why the ones I love, I just saw incessantly, but then the good ones rarely made it to cable, I feel like, because mm-hmm. they were just so good that mm-hmm. they never did. I don't know why. Maybe well, give me an example of the them. best 80s movies that didn't make it to cable. Well, that's a huge question. Uh, I don't know. Karate Kid? I never. I feel like Karate Kid was never on all the time. I think I... Unless you had HBO. Like, the HBO I movies were just a cut above. I, I think Karate Kid might have been, like, the first, like, like VHS tape that I had. Yeah. I, I, I feel like it's something that I watched a lot. My, my my parents were not very very big into like buying and owning movies. We didn't have a big movie collection. Um, were they into taping stuff off TV? Because yeah. you remember when that was like a huge deal? Like the one time a year, The Wizard of Oz would be on, and everybody would right, watch right. it that night and then yeah. tape it and try to re- like record over the commercials. Yeah. Oh, I had um, tapes, and then once I started getting into movies, I would have like. Uh, it'd be, you know, I was 10 years old or whatever. I had my, my mom give, like, give me blank tapes that were six hours long so I could put three movies on them I would watch and I would like stop the commercials. And like, so because of that, I saw like the TV edited versions of like um, Commando. Uh, I saw that a billion times. Was it like 10 um, minutes long? <laughs> yeah, I think it's just a lot less bloody. And then a movie that I actually, another one that I don't know if it holds up or not, but I loved at the time, uh, Silverado with, with uh uh, who's it's a, got a huge cast. Tom Berenger, William Hurt, right? William Hurt? No, um, I'm thinking of no. the big show. But yeah. It's Tom Berenger, Kevin Klein, um, Kevin Costner, Kevin Costner, Danny Glover, Danny Glover, uh, Jeff, Je- Goldblum, Jeff Goldblum, Brian Dennehy, Dennehy. Yeah, Linda Hunt. 
That's and everybody. It's a Lauren, Lawrence Kasdan. Yeah, movie. yeah, it's Lawrence Kasdan. And it's, it's great. Is it's it, really it, good. Is it really good? Yeah, I only saw it because uh, my parents had it recorded onto a tape. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad really loved it. And I didn't watch it until I was probably in college. And uh, I thought it was great. If, if, if you haven't seen Silverado, really seek it out. I haven't seen it. I don't even think I hear people talk about it. it it's not one like people a- talk about very much. But it's as far as like kind of the modern day Western. And it's got some nice comedy in there as well. Um, I mean, you've got Jeff Goldblum in a western. What do you What do you expect? But uh, it's but there's some nice uh, there's some good western action in there. It kind of it almost feels to a certain extent it feels more along the lines of McCabe and Mrs. Miller than like other westerns because it just I don't know. Well, like with that all star cast, I mean, how would you compare it to Young Guns? <laughs> it's. Oh, you're laughing. That is a great movie. I have, uh, you know what? I saw it when I, when I got older. And uh, I, uh, you know what? Young Guns is kind of, okay. It's kind of like Tombstone. Val Kilmer aside, Tombstone's not that good. And, but my, but my people in my age group, uh, they love Tombstone. And it's probably because it was one of the first Westerns they ever saw. And... Except for Young Guns, and then I saw Young Guns when I was much older, and I and I did not care for it. But you enjoyed it. Well, obviously. I mean, it was like the last time that Lou Diamond Phillips was poised to be a star. That's I feel true. sorry for that guy. Jose <laughs> Chavez, E. Chavez. That exactly. Was his character's name. I, 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 I'm not a huge <laughs> fan of Young Guns movies, but I am, am a huge fan of Lou Diamond Phillips. Um, I don't know if you've seen... Bats? Uh, no, but... Um, the only Stand non-documentary that uh, Errol Morris ever made was a movie called The Dark Wind. No, uh, I never saw that. It's essentially like a detective noir, but on an Indian reservation. And, and Ludovic Phillips plays a, like a, a local cop on the Indian reservation. It goes kind of batshit toward the end because it was like one of the earliest movies that was made through the Sundance Institute. It's like the movie. It's like 1990, I think, is when it came out. <laughs> And um, it was the only uh, only non-documentary Errol Morris ever made. And apparently Robert Redford, like, wanted the ending to be more, I guess, exciting and conventionally sort of thrilling and action-y. And so, it, like, but it also ties into this, like, sort of ancient Indian spiritual stuff that's going on. So it has this very bizarre ending that doesn't fit at all. But up until then, it's this weirdly low-key and, like, oddball c- comedic uh um, but meditative noir, it's it's such a good movie, so interesting. Um, and there's no good DVD. There's a there's a DVD of it. You can get it physically through Netflix. I don't think it's on the Watch Instantly thing, but like there's boom mics and stuff in it. It's not like seems like it was uh, made very cheaply. You know what DVD I like, Lou, Lou Diamond Phillips in? It's a movie I don't care for, but uh, that, the, that the big hit. Nah, I thought, I thought we were going to say that Wolf TV show that got canceled to two episodes. Oh, I don't remember that at all. It was all. called like Wolf Town or something like that. <laughs> the I, Town of Wolves. I think he just should have never cut his hair. But I mean, to me, like the, the tragedy of Young Guns is the fact that Emilio Estevez's career never really took off, I feel like. And yet Charlie Sheen is still acting. And I mean, right. if these two brothers... Like, just, just, just the roads not taken by Emilio Estevez. Mm-hmm. As Billy the Kid, he was phenomenal. And it, it breaks my heart for him. Especially because I feel like I think he had the most potential. Yeah, I like him in Mission Impossible and his yeah. his brief appearance there. Yeah. But he's he's directing movies that are I don't know. I haven't seen either. Like I saw Bobby. Did you see well, Bobby? I, yeah, I think I yeah I saw Bobby. Yeah. But he had directed yeah. before Bobby, right? I think uh, maybe I don't remember. That was the one that that was like the first real, like big one that he yeah. that he made. And it has a huge cast, but yeah, I don't remember people liking it very much. 
And then there was... It has its moments. Was it The Way? Was it the one he did last year? Yeah, which... Martin Sheen? Oh, that's right. I never saw that. They kept sending me screeners in award season. Yeah? So I guess I'm part of the problem. (laughs) (laughs) This is actually my first, um, like, award season that I will be getting screeners. Uh, So, and I I, I feel like I'm going to want to watch everything just because I'm excited that I finally get screeners. It's taken me... We've been doing this show for... A five, while. five and a half years. It's taken me quite a while to get to. <laughs> it's gonna get crazy. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, and also going to um, awards screenings, which will bring me to Cloud Atlas, which I saw recently, um, and I've been dying to talk about. Like I, I like I follow like other like sort of internet movie people on Twitter, and I re- like it seems like a lot of times they're all friends with each other, and I've never been good at that. Like I don't. Most like of the people? time, wasn't it? You don't like people? Uh, well, yeah, that's that's true across the board. I generally don't. Um, but, uh, like, I don't, like, tend to want to be around people who want to talk about movies all the time, if that sounds... I know that sounds weird, because that's the mo- only thing that I'm comfortable talking about. And yet, yet, at the same time, uh, I guess sometimes I get, like... Uh, I get maybe annoyed by other people's opinions or whatever, so I have trouble being friends with other movie critics and movie people sometimes but i'm the same way but for, for reasons of insecurity like if people <laughs> if people state their opinion with enough confidence and it's not the same as mine i'm just like oh i'm wrong that's really? why i've been running roughshod over you for five and a half years yeah i know young um, guns is a great movie <laughs> <laughs> you know what i i can't argue with that um it's got uh terry o'quinn uh john Locke. oh that's right yeah um, I know who Terry O'Quinn is. Uh, well, Terry, you know, from uh, Heaven's Gate. Did you ever see Heaven's Gate? No, but I saw Millennium. He's he got one Millennium. scene. One scene in Heaven's Gate. Very recognizable now. Um, I've been rewatching Band of Brothers and uh, uh, Michael Fassbender. Like, I knew he was in it, but it's, like, so weird to see him now and doing an American accent and everything. Anyway, beside the point. I was going to say, okay, this past, like, week and a half, I really realized, oh, this is why they're all friends because I've had a week and a half of having seen Cloud Atlas and having like no one to talk, talk to uh, <laughs> uh, about it. And so I just want to talk about Cloud Atlas and how much I loved it, but also completely understand someone not liking it all where like I saw with my girlfriend, like she was my plus one and she like, when she left, she was like, that was okay. And then it seems like every day that I bring it up again, she likes it less. Oh, good. So, uh, well, maybe well, that's maybe less a function of the film and more you. Yeah, that's what I was <laughs> going to say. Too, yeah. and we should say up front that only the two of us have seen this. Yeah, yeah. Tyler's not seen it. And he's asked us not to spoil anything. Whatever. Yeah, that could be easy. But most of our listeners won't have. I mean, right. It, it'll be out by the time this podcast goes up, but I still don't like to spoil stuff that soon. Yeah. So what did you think of Cloud Atlas? Uh, I think it is so ambitious, I have to love it. Even though... Even though when you boil it down to its essence, it's really only got one point, which is our souls continue on. And there's so much that distracts from you watching the movie in terms of like the makeup in the futuristic Asian scenes that I could really see how people can like slip out of it and, and think it's sort of a joke. But to me, the fact that the Wachowskis are, are reaching for greatness alone makes it something I feel like everybody has to see and that I really want people mm-hmm. to like pay money to I really want people yeah, to support yeah. this I want to throw a lot of support behind the film even if I have some reservations about about what I think it's really trying to do see I think that um, the like 
weird stuff like with the with the makeup and stuff that that theatricality i think is very much um part of the point because i think there i think there is more than just the souls of connected stuff i think it's an in, intensely and uh, uh unsubtly uh political film um but I, but i also think it has something to say about the power of storytelling I knew I'm taking this because I read the book and there is more about this in the book. I don't know if you've read it. I haven't, no. Um, but in the book, they talk about this idea of uh, there's the, the the 1970s Tom Hanks character. Um, there's a part in it's in the movie where he's like writing while he's on a plane. There's a lot more to that in in the book. He writes a lot longer. It would be boring to just see him writing. It all, but he talks about the idea between like um, the actual past and the virtual past, where it's like the actual past is the thing that happened and the virtual past is the the version of the truth that becomes known because of the way the story becomes told. So like what we, un- like I think the example he gives maybe in the book is the Titanic. Like what we know about it isn't quite, it is probably not how it happened, but it's just as if not more powerful and, and just as useful and maybe just as valid as the real, as the real truth. So I think. That what- sounds like a good defense of James Cameron. Uh, I like James Cameron. Um, Me too. I think Titanic's amazing. Me too. Uh, So I think what David Mitchell and the Wachowskis and and Tom Tickford uh, uh, are doing with that theatricality is uh, clearly letting you know these are actors playing parts. Like, this is, you're not necessarily supposed to be sunk into this in, like, the gritty, like, Paul Greengrass type of way. This is supposed to be kind of a play uh, uh, because that's the way that these stories pass on. Cause it's not just our souls. It's the stories that pass on from generation to generation. And, and, and you'll see, as you know, obviously you just saw the movie in the movie, like each chronologically, uh, each story, that, each story that we're seeing is told and experienced by someone in the next story chronologically by right. reading letters or by reading a manuscript or what have you. So I, I've okay. I've not seen the movie, but what you're saying actually appeals to me a great deal. I was talking with a friend, today, in fact, about uh, Jim Dale, who is an actor, and uh, but also these days does a lot of audiobooks. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does, I believe he does the, the, the audio the books for like the U.S. releases of Harry Potter. Okay. And, uh, and he also did the narration for the show uh, Pushing Daisies. He's great. Okay. And um, so I was talking with... Uh, my friend and he mentioned this other guy, the name of which I do not, the name of whom I do not recall. Um, but he said that that guy changes his voice so much for the characters that it feels like he brought other people into the room. I was like, that's interesting and good for him. But at the same time, I like the idea of somebody changing, you know, maybe changing like how deep their voices or how high their voices or their cadence depending on characters but it's still unmistakably that person because then it gives you frankly it gives you the feeling of like your grandfather reading you a story or something like that it has it's everything is unified in the idea of a story being told and so the idea that you can see the artifice in the same way you can tell that this guy is doing all the characters, uh, that actually has uh, great appeal to me. Right, and I have a lot of sympathy for that because I came to film from theater, mm-hmm. oh. and being a theater critic, I've, I've been a theater critic for the weekly for nine years, which I think I left out. Yeah, I didn't know that. Cause I, <laughs> yeah. The only thing I know about the theater section in the LA Weekly is that it's the one before the film section. And that so everybody <laughs> skips over it. <laughs> that's how no, I know cool. where the film section starts. <laughs> but that's, that's me. That's me being yeah. a Philistine. We, get, like we gave up theater a long time ago, David. 
Uh, well, and he lives in theater row. It's a shame. But the thing yeah. that I love about theater is that it forces the audience to play along. At least good theater forces the audience to play along. Mm-hmm. I love that in theater, you know, you can like it, you can have a cardboard box and you can say this is a castle, and the audience will have to imagine that it's a castle. Or you could point at nothing, and mm-hmm. the audience will imagine yeah. that it's a castle with you. And to bring that that sort of forced imagination into the film through the makeup, I, I respect that a lot about Cloud Atlas. I am questionable about the fact that they, it looks so weird when they do it specifically to the Asian characters. It's just very strange. I feel like it teeters a little bit on the edge of Breakfast at Tiffany's for me. It is. It, it, it is making being, white characters yeah. like because like, both um, uh, well, like Hugo Weaving, like a lot of yeah. the characters show up yeah. as Asian as Asian characters. And there's something that makes me a little bit nervous about that. But I don't even know if that's the film's fault or if it's just my preconceived notions that I should suck in my breath because everybody's going to freak out. Uh, and it has. I read an article today that uh, I don't remember what organization, but they. Uh, and by the and by the way, like everybody is free to be offended if they want to be, and so I'm not going to judge them for it. But they basically said like so, it was a and I don't remember the name of it, but uh, they're very concerned with how Asians specifically are depicted in culture and that sort of thing. And and they said they said their issue is very specific. They said so you're going to make these characters Asian, and the only thing you focus on is their eyes. Really, like no, it's like. No facial structure, nothing like that. To you, the only difference is that the eyes are, you know, slanty and that sort of thing. I don't know if that's even true, though, of the makeup there. I I have to watch it again with an eye for that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I interviewed both of the makeup people because I'm really interested in in makeup in general and sort of Mm -hmm. how you can do that. Um, And they talked a lot about how they would actually have to build onto like the forehead of certain characters to try to change them. Mm -hmm. They said something like when they they turn Hugo Weaving into a woman. And that to turn a man into a woman, you actually have to change the bone structure of the face. And that involved, like, widening his forehead, like, softening the cheekbones, softening the jaw. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they were really trying, I think, to go into the bone structure. But there's, I don't know if they just did a bad job on the Asian people, but it, it, it's the one thing that I think really sticks out as jarring. No, I don't even think I'm offended. I think I was just sort of taken aback that anybody tried to do it. And I, I don't mm-hmm. even think I'm taken aback in a bad way. It just gets an asterisk. Because it's... Well, it's definitely different. Mm-hmm. There is, but also at least at least one occasion I think of of an Asian character being made Caucasian. Yeah, uh, hmm. which which does look a little odd, but I think it's again I think it's supposed to. I yeah. think you're, anyway. Well, they just turned her blonde. Well, they gave her all those fr- all those freckles too. Yeah, why why do they think all white people have freckles? <laughs> I don't I'm, know. I'm offended. <laughs> yeah, let's yeah. write. Who do we write to for that? Uh, I, yeah, I've, I I've lost energy already. Well, okay. But I did have one question about it because, like, I was reading a lot about how one of the main themes of the characters that, like, through their different iterations, their souls become like smarter and smarter. Like you see it with Tom Hanks's character, he starts off as like a scoundrel, and then when he's in his like final stage, he's like sort of one and blissed out, and he kind of gets his place in the universe. I don't know. if Smarter is the right word, though. Well, smarter because he's like he's in in his earliest one. He's clearly a very learned man. He's just oh evil. right. I think I just mean smarter in the in what it takes to be a good person, mm-hmm. like less selfish, I suppose. 
And so what I feel is sort of bad about that is like Tom Hanks gets to evolve and become a better person. But then there's certain characters like Hugo Weaving who are just always evil. And I think that's sort of depressing. I think they're maybe supposed to be more symbols than characters that Hugo Hugo Weaving and, and Hugh Grant. Um, just like uh, I think Duna Bai is pretty much always a good character in all of her I- iterations as Sonmi and and um, and as random screaming Mexican lady. <laughs> right, I forgot. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about her. Um, but um, I actually think, whereas like I think Jim Broadbent actually does have that sort of line, and even within his main story, the the modern day one, he turns from being uh, uh, s- sort of. Uh, it's unlikable sleazeball you know he like you know he sees a man get murdered in front of him and starts thinking about the like possible ways that he could profit from this you know he's like not a very good person within that he becomes better but with the tom hanks thing i actually think he's the most interesting one because he he actually goes back and forth you see him like where he is in the 1970s and in the louisa ray story he's a very good person he does a very selfless uh, you know and risky thing for the good of a lot of people and then in the very next one chronologically the modern day one he's a drunken violent uh self-centered you know shallow asshole (laughs) Uh, you know that's true but he's really nice to pets no i'm making that up (laughs) (laughs) um by the way, did you see him uh, say fuck on Good Morning America? How awesome was that? I watched it so many times. I don't know why I'm so, like... Uh, that stuff, people accidentally saying fuck on network TV, like... You are 30 years old. Like, that's something that, like, a 15-year-old would be like, oh! But, but I, it's Tom Hanks! That, that is true, yes. But I, also, I, there, I think there's a deeper thing, to, because, I like, there's a part of me that's angry that it's a big deal, because he, he and whoever, I don't know who the host of Good Morning America is, the woman who is interviewing him... Um, both act like he just ran over somebody with his car when he said like it's the worst thing he could have done. I think it's because so, it's Tom Hanks and so, like. You but know. oh no, it's it's because they could get in a lot of they could, they could be huge fines yeah. for that, and that like that pisses me off. But there's also sort of a Schadenfreude in seeing people like that upset about such a tiny thing happening. Yeah. Well, you have to love the one-two punch that like not only is it Tom Hanks, it's on Good Morning America. It <laughs> yeah. wasn't even like it wasn't even Letterman. Uh, yeah. yeah, there is a guarantee that moms are going to be watching that. <laughs> yeah. It's a twofold guarantee. Um, anyway. I can't think of anybody else I'd rather hear say fuck on TV except maybe Helen Mirren. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah, she'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Um. All right. Uh, anything else about Cloud Atlas? It is. It's weird that movie, huh? Like not in a way like not like a Hodorowsky movie where it's like obviously sort of surface level like uh, crazy. There's like a there's like a deep rooted weirdness. I'm really glad Atlas. it exists. Mm-hmm. I feel glad that we're living in a year that has given us Cloud Atlas and Holy Motors, which I haven't seen yet. Oh, it, Holy it, Motors! I'm seeing it next week. Oh, Holy Motors! It's gonna blow I, yeah, your I can't wait. mind. That's what I hear. I mean, I mean, I did see this this Bigfoot found footage film called The Lost Coast Tapes. So I feel like you know, you're prepped. Holy Motors is not going to blow my mind. Well, this is going to get me into something else I want to talk about because uh, some of my favorite movies of the year so far are Cloud Atlas, uh, Michael Haneke's Amor, and The Avengers uh, is one of my favorite movies of the year so far. And so I wanted to talk to you about The is Avengers. Is this why you had me on? I told you in to the email that I was gonna. Did, did yell it? Are you gonna yell? Oh at no, me no 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 no! I completely am okay with you not liking <laughs> the Avengers. That's fine. Wait, but, hey, so, uh, slow down. David does not speak for us. I said I am completely okay. <laughs> I know. I don't remember. Uh, is it, it's so you did not care for the Avengers, but did 
Was there like a horrible reaction yeah. to that? Is that what it because is? Because you were the first. I had okay. the misfortune of being the first. I was shocked I was the first. And then I was shocked that nobody else wrote another negative one for 10 days. It was sort of a... Well, why would they? They got scared <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah, it was just a... You got made an example of. Yeah, I got caught in kind of a maelstrom because... Uh, uh, they uh, didn't a maelstrom. Yeah, because <laughs> the okay, New York critics over. didn't see it for like another week and a half after after the LA critics and New York critics were guaranteed to like it less than LA ones. But um, <laughs> that's right. But yeah, I was. We, yeah, I think I was the only LA critic dangled out there for a little bit, which was exciting. And yeah, what was that? What was that like? Do you do well, you read the comments on Rotten Tomatoes? Never. Well, let's go back. Let's Did go you back once just people a started bit. telling you? No. I, I have yet to read any of the comments on Rotten Tomatoes. Good okay. for you. Well, let's let's go back a little bit because uh, I also uh, liked the Avengers uh, quite a bit more than I even expected to, to be honest. Um, because those the preceding films, I always found, with the exception of the first Iron Man, which I liked a lot. Um, I was just perpetually disappointed by them. I wanted to like Thor more than I did. I expected to like Captain America more than I did. Um, Iron Man two, same deal. Incredible Hulk, I kind of, it's about what I expected. But, um, and then the Avengers, for me, wound up being a nice, like somehow, not unlike the Avengers themselves, like they're, st- it's stronger as a team than individually. Um, but uh, what what are some of the things that you did not care for? And uh, and then maybe I can jump to David since you haven't read any of your uh, critics, which is probably for the best in an instance. I'm not going to like, it's not like I have them written down. But you can give the general... Uh, well, I, I, I wanted to talk about just the, the fact that there was so much misogyny in the, yeah. in, in the comments, which yeah, I guess so. you don't know the specifics, but I imagine... Yeah. I, I've been told. Okay. I've been yeah. told. And we'll, we'll, okay, so we'll get to that in a moment. But first... Okay, yeah, first, yeah, your thoughts. Because I, I want to try and figure out if any of your problems are specifically feminine. <laughs> right. That way, because everybody else seems to have latched onto that really easily. So I want to see if it's overt. Oh right. Well, I mean, I've, no. But now that you mention it, <laughs> the female characters in that movie aren't exactly the greatest. But that really wasn't my problem. I actually, part of I think what set the maelstrom in action was that I gave it a three out of five stars, but a rotten because I feel like that is exactly what it is. It's a very well made and competent film in some ways. The jokes were fine, uh, but at the same time, I felt it was so lacking in ambition that I just couldn't love it. I could not say that this was a good film. I couldn't say it reached for anything. It just felt like it felt like a major event that was actually a non-event. And what I mean specifically, one of the things that really bothered me the most was the ending, because the ending was almost exactly the same ending as you have in Transformers Three, where you have a giant hole in the sky and a guy in a building with like a laser things are coming out of the hole and oh my god are they going to do it blah 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 and to destroy an entire city to just have like the same old masses of people running down the streets I just felt like I'd seen the whole thing before and it felt like if this was the culmination of what six films five films Mm -hmm. of hours and hours of money spent making these movies that wasn't spent making any other movies that would have been better it felt like a, a letdown to me. And I also felt like the film itself didn't quite gel. I felt like the characters didn't play well with each other. I loved Thor a lot, and I felt like mm-hmm. this film sort of robbed Thor of like his majesty and Thorness. I felt like it didn't mm-hmm. have a, a depth to it that I wanted. 
It's funny you say they didn't play well together because I actually kind of feel the opposite. Because like, about a third of the way into the film, when like they reveal the helicarrier, and I was in like Tyler and I went in this, this screening together, and we were both went in very excited. And about that point, I started to feel like I, I'm not enjoying this. Like I don't like this movie. Oh no! Did you get nervous? Because you're not allowed to not like it. No, I am. I, I'm. Oh, I'm so allowed. I would. I, I mean, there's a part of me that would have relished <laughs> hating hating the Avengers. Yes, it's the part uh, that, by the way, should be suppressed. That's not a good thing. That's not a good instinct. Uh, yeah, I get so excited when I hate a movie that uh, other people like. Don't get me yeah. wrong. I was the same way with Avatar, but still. Uh, yeah, um, I like Avatar, of course, because I'm a James Cameron fan. I do not. But um, what I, I'm saying, uh, I don't think they the characters play well alone it's not until they get together that i started to enjoy the movie i felt like each um i'm not sure if i said this in my review if i said on the podcast before but like each introduction of the character felt more like an extended commercial for the action figure of that character you know uh and it's not until they're all in the same room that you get these personalities playing and you get more of the jokes but i don't know if the personalities and the jokes should belong with every character you know, I felt like that whole... I felt like the film was just dominated by the Tony Stark Iron Man tone. And I just... I think that it was overpowering. And also, I kind of object just on principle to the idea that there's a movie exist, that exists that is somehow almost three hours long, two and a half hours long, where you literally couldn't make heads or tails of that movie and who these people are if you haven't done the research and seen all of the rest of them. I don't know. Like, I'd only seen a- two of the... Pre- I'd seen Iron Man and, and Thor. It was the only ones I'd seen. And I felt... I, I don't like know. I, could keep up. I, I think it like insisted that you had to do like research because I don't think. I mean, sure, you could keep up and maybe you read the comics. Maybe has I've read of some background. Captain America comics, so but I know like if you just wander in, having never seen any of these films, it didn't feel like a movie on its own terms. And and that, and that to me, for it to be so long and yet feel so thin in terms of character, because mm-hmm. it's like well, we've already accomplished all that. I, I couldn't respect it as a movie, as a movie on its own. And it actually doesn't bother. It, it, it doesn't bother me. Uh, that it doesn't stand on its own. That used to be something that, that got me a lot when it came to sequels, and that's kind of how I view this. It is, as David has said, is it is the uh, uh, the beginning of a new franchise, um, and I view it as as a culmination. It is a sequel to all of these movies, um, and uh, in that instance, uh, oh, you got to okay, but. Um, David's pineapples are causing Ty- quite a stir. Tyler, can I tell you something right now? What's that? Amy is my new favorite guest ever. Because, really? Because she likes the pineapples. Really? Is this all I had to do? <laughs> I can even still not like the Avengers. I don't even dislike the Avengers. I just don't think it's a good movie. Um, that no, that's that's completely fine because you know, it's sort of. I sort of feel about the Avengers similarly to the way that I feel about Avatar, which was in my top ten that year. In that, it's a both of them are in terms of just in in, in the more intellectual terms very thin, but they managed to t- tap into some more sort of, uh, I guess, primal things, you know, in, in, in terms of just... Uh, uh, Avatar, I think, is probably... With some distance, I think Avatar's a better movie than The Avengers, um, but The Avengers is more fun, maybe. I don't know, because Avatar gets into this thing about, like, this, uh, a, you know, a dream state and how, like... Um, the uh, the idea of sort of be, being able to fill these these primal desires of of, of flight and, and and love and, and all the, all that all that stuff and the Avengers definitely didn't get as into it as that but that, I, I like it in the same way in that like um, like when 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 the Hulk jumps out of the helicarrier and is on the fighter jet and the guy tries to eject. And the Hulk grabs the ejector seat out of yeah. the air. Like that's just very exciting stuff. Little touches like that are like 
it shows an eye for detail that was not required. You know what I mean? Like with a movie like that, it's just big smashing things. That's all you need. But it's kind of the way it's like the little moments before the smashing or in the middle of the smashing um, that shows a certain degree of, of what I ca- what I come back to is wit. I think there's a, a great deal of wit, not just in the conversation scenes uh, or the ensemble uh, conversation scenes, um, but also in the uh, in the action, like little moments like Iron Man, like, you know, Captain America's fighting these uh, aliens, whatever, robots, doesn't really matter. Um, <laughs> oh, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Uh-huh. Not particularly. Exactly. And so... Um, but I, I honestly don't think it does yeah. matter in Loki, this movie. Loki matters, and that's uh, that's kind of all I care about. Even Loki only kind of matters. Only kind of matters. Wouldn't it be great if, we, if these things actually mattered? But yeah, I, it would but be a better movie. But they matter um, that they I, are. They ma- it matters that they are a threat, and that's kind of you can't humanize all of the. Uh, I guess drones is one way of putting it. Um, yeah, our, our main characters are the. I mean, Avengers, and I think yeah. like the interplay between them is it's enough to forgive the fact that the the villain is thin. I don't know. I think you're already using words like forgive. I see some hesitation with you, but I will say I, that I think if I've they make a Hulk movie, I will be the first person to see it because I, that was my favorite part of the film. Oh yeah, I think Mark Ruffalo. Well, you know they've like made two Hulk movies. Well, yeah, with Mark but Ruffalo, if they make though. like an actual good one with Mark Ruffalo, I will be the. He f- likes the Ang Lee one. I do. Do I, re- I respect it a great That's deal. That's really sweet of you. So, <laughs> I think Ang Lee does some pretty amazing visual things. I really mm-hmm. enjoy the committed, in many definitions of the word, performance of Nick Nolte. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, it's, it certainly is not a perfect film, but I, I respect it a great deal. And I, yeah, I mean, you mentioned ambition being a big, it, that seems to be a big thing for you. I think Ang Lee's Hulk is very ambitious. That's true. Um, and so uh, uh, but I, I, wanna, I can't dismiss it. Certainly, know, whereas the Incredible Hulk, I feel like that one is just, uh, it sets up certain expectations. And that's, we're not going to be the pretentious like this Ang Lee Hulk. We're going to give you what you want. And so you have the character saying Hulk smash and stuff like that. And uh, no, thank you. And I want to make, like, I brought up Avengers, one of my favorite movies, as a way to, movies of the year as a way to get into this i'm not like actually saying it's the best movie of the year obviously i think both cloud atlas and amore are better and maybe uh did you guys see farewell farewell my queen no not yet so amazing is it really yeah um anyway that's beside the point uh but the reason i actually wanted to bring it up was to talk about um or at least ask you about because the you're just this the reaction and get it straight from you there's been it's been talked about to death, you know, on every... Because I listen... As much as I can't stand other uh, critics or pretend I can't, uh, I listen to all their podcasts and read their <laughs> websites. So a- at the time, this was talked about at length. But what are what are your thoughts on why the backlash was so strong and so geared in the, the gender-specific ways that right. it was? Well, I've, I've thought about this a lot. And one thing I, I do think is interesting is... A lot of the talk was about how the comments on me were so gender specific. A lot of like, mm-hmm. get back in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Who did you give a BJ to to get your job? Oh. And honestly, as terrible as those are, I also feel like male critics get it as bad, if not worse. So I almost felt silly being kind of hoisted out as like mm-hmm. a feminist icon. Because I feel like there's a difference. Like, if people on Rotten Tomatoes don't like a female critic, they throw the make a sandwich joke at her. But if they don't like a male critic, they threaten him with violence. And right. I, between the two, I'd, I, I can take sandwich, you mm-hmm. know? Um, 
I'm I'm glad that like with that and then with the Avengers uh, outcry that happened or not, with the Avengers outcry and then the Dark Knight Rises outcry that happened that was my friend Christy who got all the like go back in the kitchen mm-hmm. death threats about that I'm glad that it's a conversation we're having about what is the role of critics and the people who read them and honestly Honestly, I, in a way, I kind of have a lot of empathy for the people who are so mean. Okay, that, maybe that's a stretch. But, but that, I mean, that's what makes you uh, an art lover, right? There you go. That you I can suppose, empathize. I guess, because to me, when, when I would think about the reaction, I realized that what I had kind of blundered into was that here was something that, say, a 16-year-old kid, you know, to sort of like estimate what the typical probably angry commenter is. Uh-huh. A, a 16-year-old kid has been looking forward to this movie for years, and not only do I get to see it before him, I don't like it, and I tell him everything he's cared about is kind of crap. I get it. I get it. Like I get. I think that for what we do, there's a lot of resentment and jealousy that maybe we don't even appreciate what we get to do for for a living. Mm-hmm. That we're lucky, and that they should be us. And I think that's what a lot of like the because I did get a lot of emails and tweets that I had to read because they sort of came at me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like when I tried to read them with that in mind, this guy just really wishes he had my job. Uh-huh. My heart kind of breaks a little bit because it's so important to them. I mean, you and I will, will, will review like 100, 200 movies a year. But this is like, this guy is, he's working an extra shift at the pizza place. You know, he's right, like excited right. to go see this opening day. He's like made plans for his mom to take him to the mall. And it's and I can see it being one of those instances. And, and like, I, I want to try to avoid sounding uh, like, patronizing or or condescending or something like that with what I am about to say. But um, it does kind of, it could be one of those things where it's just the frustration of like, I like, like you said, like Mm -hmm. I love this thing so much. And this person who, who is allowed an official opinion clearly doesn't get it. Exactly. I get it so much and no one cares what I have to say except me. How is this possible? And that's when I think they're like, it's because she's a girl. Exactly. That's what it is. She clearly, you know, gave someone a BJ to get her job. And, and now this movie that... <laughs> For the uh, record, Mom, no. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, it's just... You latch this is Good Morning America. We don't have to say BJ. <laughs> yeah, okay, fair enough. I'm, I'm a lady. I, I went to Catholic school. <laughs> but, like, it is one of the, like, I, I am of, of the opinion that, like, whenever you, you know, whenever somebody, like, says something racist or sexist or any of those, like, I do think when it comes to a, a, a stranger, I think it's just one of those things, like, I'm so furious and I'm in no position to get mad at this person in a specific way, because if they were to get mad at you for their for your opinion, then they would have to engage you on that, engage with you on that, and uh, and then that means there's this there is a chance that they might be shown to be wrong in one area or another, and so it's much easier to say like she's a woman, she doesn't get it exactly, and, you know, and this person the, yeah. is uh, you know this person is whatever race they don't get it. You yeah, know, this guy whatever. has glasses. Screw yeah. him. Yeah. Oh man, no, we, David and I get that every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean you're right. And the thing is, they they can't even engage me, or they couldn't at this point because none of them had seen it yet. They couldn't really specifically argue, so all they could do was attack the writer. And that that reminds me, years ago I was visiting some friends in Denver, and these are old friends, groomsmen at my wedding. You know, I've known them for at this point twenty years. 
But it was so fascinating. I was talking to a friend of mine, and this was uh, this was like 2008. That's when uh, Amelia came out, right? Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of expectation behind that movie. Uh, not merely as like Oscar bait, but just people, you know, Hillary Swank. Oh, Amelia Earhart. That's interesting. Richard Gere. Um, and so I was having dinner with, with uh, some friends, and I mentioned that... Uh, at the time, I was kind of undergoing a bit of a uh, a change in my goals, and I mentioned that I wanted to really pursue cr- uh, criticism. And, uh, and my friend <laughs> responded with like, with like, "Oh, I hate critics!" And immediately, I was just like, <laughs> "You know, I just told you just now, <laughs> like literally forty five seconds ago, that this is what I want to do with my life." And uh, and then he's like, I was like, why do you not like them? And he's like, he's like, I wanted to see that movie Amelia so bad. And then I read all the reviews and they said it was bad. Now I don't want to see it. And I was like, <laughs> and I, I just cocked my head. I was like, well, they're not keeping you from seeing it. They merely gave good arguments why it's bad. And you listened to them and you've been saved time and money. Like, it, like it's so mystified me that he basically just described them doing their job and it worked on him. And he's mad at them for that. And it's, it's one of those things like, but that was, that was Amelia. Imagine, like yeah. you said, the 16-year-old boy who desperately wants to see the Avenger. I wanted to see it. I was super excited. And I'm not even that much of a comic book person. But like. Yeah, I wanted to see it because I'm a Joss Whedon person. Yeah. It's, and there's that. Yeah, there's that as well. Yeah. Like that's, you got comic book and Joss Whedon fans. Like, and of course the big uh, Mark Ruffalo, uh, you know. Ow. Yeah, absolutely. And the uh, Kobe Smulders fans. <laughs> How I met your mother. I, that was honestly that was uh, another one. Is I'm not being like uh, uh, I, I think Kobe Smulders. Back when I used to watch How I Met Your Mother, was no. the consistently the funniest person on that show, and never got the uh, the credit for that. I don't know if you watch How I Met How I Met Your Mother. No, never. I don't watch it now. It stinks. But you know, watch the early, early ones. And Kobe Smulders just she's the you know, the other the other yeah. Shield agent in the yeah. movie. Uh, she's fantastic. The one who also barely gets anything to do. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I was so that's oh, the uh, that's other a big girl who gets to stand around. Oh, okay, cool. Because at the begin, like the opening scene, she's like she kicks you know, ass a little rolling bit, around like that. a John Woo movie and like shooting guns, and I'm like, all right, Kobe Smulders, this like this this person that I am that, that I think is super cool and super talented is going to get the showcase here, you know, alongside all these other actors, and then after that first scene, nothing. Yeah, that was a disappointment yeah. to me. Yeah, and, w- one of my favorite things that kind of came out of this is uh, Devin Fracci did a post sort of triggered by this but really like about more than that about when did when did geek culture the people who probably grew up getting bullied in school when did they become the bullies Mm -hmm. and i think that's a really interesting question yeah yeah i mean i don't know if you guys feel this way a little bit in your jobs but i i do feel a little bit that everybody who's a film critic right now sort of has to lie and say they read comic books all the time when they were a kid and that they were a big nerd and like you're not allowed to you're not allowed to step outside of that because if you say like that Green Lantern was a terrible movie and then somebody's like well you didn't read the comic books then you're immediately disqualified it feels like there's all these little dominoes like now that we have to go back in time and become a different person in order to fit in with culture since this is where culture is right now I think well I I I have kind of an out there because I am not a full... I have a day job, a day job, career job that I like, not just something to pay the bills. Like, I actually like my job. So I'm not a full-time critic, although I do put... I am, like, in terms of time invested, I am nearly a full-time critic in addition to my job. But um, uh, also, I think the sort of, like I said, five and a half years, I think the sort of... uh, 
identity that Tyler and I have created for ourselves is, is insulated ourselves against, against that kind of thing because we've been, you know, naming the show after an Eisenstein movie mm-hmm. and stuff like, like uh, we've clearly said like our purview is not necessarily the, the, the geekier aspects yeah. of film. So I feel like we're, it's if okay we, for us to say like, I, you know, I've never read any of whatever comic. Yeah. If we guess on, on other shows that are perfectly fine shows and I'm, I'm not against them at all, but, uh, but they have a different audience than we do and we enjoy ourselves and then we get some people from those sh- from those shows and then so we get nice a nice little spike in listeners cuz they came to us from from that other show and then it falls off but there a few stay on but I'm I'm never surprised when it it goes back down yeah um because it's just like oh these guys are I'm not going to see <laughs> Bergmeister harmonies. That doesn't look do, interesting to me. So, turn background on you. Do you oh, feel imagine if there was a comic book about Bergmeister harmonies? This <laughs> uh, <laughs> is like sixteen panels in a row of the exact same image. Um, uh, have you seen? The, are you a fan of Belatar's films like Bergmeister harmonies? No, or, I didn't uh, see. Was it horse? Deterrent Horse? Yeah. I didn't see that one either. Yeah, our, uh, our our um, writer Scott saw no. that. Um, but to turn our background on you, do you feel pressured to um, more pressure than maybe you did even a few years ago to uh, brush up on source material? A little bit, although I think I've, I've, for the most part, avoided it anyways. I feel the pressure and I still feel like the film should be the film and that mm-hmm. you shouldn't have to do background research to mm-hmm. respect the film. I've been making jokes with a couple of my other film critic friends that we should reclaim being cool in high school. Because wh- I'm, I'm tired of being ashamed of being cool in high school. Yeah. I don't think I should have to lie about it anymore. I was, I was, I was pretty cool. Um, I was not. <laughs> no. I was friends with everybody. I, I had. Oh, you were one of them? I, I just, uh, because I was, it's debatable whether I am now, but I was funny in high school. And so I, I was very disarming to pretty much everybody. And everybody kind of liked yeah. me, but I wouldn't go so far as to say it was popular or cool. But everybody enjoyed being around me. You know. I managed to sort of in high school, like, because I was very unpopular in, in like elementary school and middle school, like getting picked on a lot and oh, stuff yeah. like that. And by high school, I uh, because I went to a high school that's fairly, you know, 2,000 kids. Um, it's big enough that I could find sort of my niche, and I was basically pretty good at, like, staying away from the people I knew wouldn't like me. But you know who did like me in high Who's school? That? The teachers and janitors. Damn right. <laughs> not, the really? of, not the sign of a popular kid, but, also, but is the sign of a kid who can get out of class easily um, and has gets to go to parts of the school like the roof and the and catwalks and and boiler oh, rooms yeah. and stuff that that other people don't get access to yeah i had teachers cool. i had teachers uh give me uh presents for my wedding <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i got a graduation present from my his, history teacher she gave me this book called uh the big book of endings and it's just like hmm. about like all different sort of interpretations of the world, like, uh, of the word, like, ending, you know, like, there's a whole section about, like, famous deaths and famous last words, and then, like, um, you know, the whole Y2K thing. Uh, apparently, obviously, it wasn't about technology, but there was, uh, you know, in the year 999, there was the same kind of panic that the world was going to end, uh, and that's the kind of stuff that was in that book. I've gotten so far off topic, but, uh, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't cool, but, uh... I should specify, middle school is pure hell for me. Oh, yeah, no. I can agree okay. with that. Yeah, right. I had a mullet. It was the worst. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. I was, I was fat, had horrible acne and braces, and so I think maybe that's why I had to become funny, because <laughs> it's all I had. <laughs> I had buck teeth. Well, you still can't Yeah, I still can Yeah, it's, it's really <laughs> off-putting. <laughs> But, well, speaking about the world ending, I mean, you guys saw 2012, right? By Roland Emmerich. We've only got a couple months left. 
Yeah, I didn't yeah. see that one. I, what? Yeah, I know. Sorry. Here's where That's I saw it. That's the feel-good movie of the year. <laughs> uh, when did that come out? What, what time of year was that? 2012, I think. Some, it was cold outside. I think it was around November. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Here's when I saw it. Early in tax season, I went to my tax guy, and uh, he, in his, like, waiting room had clearly a bootlegged copy because it had like dutch subtitles on it of 2012 and that's so that's how i kind of saw 2012 on a tiny little tv with uh, families talking about while waiting to get their taxes done and dutch subtitles at the bottom that's really not optimum conditions you don't think and not to be like dwarfed by the idea of a street collapsing on your head uh-huh I and mean, that movie's fantastic i love roland emmerich i think I, roland emmerich is the greatest i hate roland emmerich. i really dislike him what did you guys see anonymous uh, no, 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 but I, but that looked like such a different thing for him uh, that I was kind of because clearly the guy who makes these these giant uh, spectacles and then he makes anonymous like clearly that's a passion project for him because this yeah. this doesn't fit with his other work so he clearly really wanted to make this and I was kind of intrigued by it but then it got not that actually great. does intrigue because part of the reason I don't like Roland Emmerich generally is I don't feel any passion in his movies I feel like he's putting up stuff that he thinks will like but he doesn't necessarily find the fun in it and uh, that's why it doesn't translate to me I, I do think he is an art house director trapped in a blockbuster director's career yeah I do I do I think he's an incredibly smart man I'm sure I'm sure he is I just you saw Godzilla. <laughs> well, okay. Actually, Godzilla came out when I was in Japan, so I didn't oh. see it because I thought I'd get scared. <laughs> <laughs> but it takes place in New York. Yeah, you'll be fine. Well, yeah, but I'm in the land where it came from. Right, right. They did have billboards for it everywhere. Mm. Um, oh, I was going to... Oh, yeah, okay. So, to, 2012, by the way, back to that story. 2012 ended, and before I got called in to finally get my taxes done... You were there for a long I, time. I, I, I was. It was uh, bad bad planning on me and my girlfriend's part at that time. Finally got called in, and the movie they had started to, also a bootleg, and definitely inappropriate for the family atmosphere, uh, Law Abiding Citizen, which I saw <laughs> about the first 25 minutes of, and I hated it so much i was like i am hating this movie so much i was so glad to be able to go do my taxes i, I never saw the rest of it do you like that movie i never saw it either but oh. i was wondering if you're gonna be like can you just rewind 2012 <laughs> yeah i missed the beginning uh did you see law-abiding citizen oh my no oh oh man did i hate that anyway um where, where were we where were we oh i wanted to make a point oh, way okay. back going way back to the commenters um uh, I feel like I want people in general I want I want people to take movies more seriously in the abstract and less seriously in the specifics like they shouldn't uh the thing that you guys are talking about about like I've been anticipating this movie forever and I'm so jealous that you get to see it like I understand those people are young but that's not a healthy way I think to go about watching movies I love movies I look forward to every time I walk into the theater I don't know. I saw Chasing Mavericks this week. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, um, yeah come on, too. man. Uh, um, when did you see it? Tuesday. Were you there? On the lot? On the yeah. Fox lot? No, oh, I was oh, there. Oh, hey. Strangers <laughs> in the Night. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway. Um, oh, so you were there when they, they had to start it like <gasps> three times? That was the coolest thing ever. I'd never had that happen <laughs> yeah, before. Yeah, me either. So oh. they st- yeah, explain what happened. So what happens is the film starts and it goes dark and you hear a man talking and you realize he's describing everything you're seeing on screen down to the logo. He's like... Fox 2000, Walden Media. And then but the no, he's like not even just saying what's on the screen. He's describing yeah. like then what t- happens. tall blocked letters of gold spelling out 20th Century Fox. 
spotlights exactly. flashing. And then the Walden Media, it's like, a stone skips across the water. Walden Media. It Man. was kind of magical. Like, you really, I, I don't know who that's for. I mean, deaf studio executives or blind studio executives. I was really confused. But, I mean, it was so amazing. Then the film starts and it's like, underwater. Man drifting through water. Clad only in flippers and trunks. (laughs) For some reason, I'm remembering all these little... uh, Yeah. Yeah, it was was sort of put a spell on me. I kind of wish that that was like an option to watch DVDs that way at home. Yeah. With somebody literally narrating everything that you're seeing on screen. Yeah. It was was fun. Now, were you one of the people laughing uproariously about it? Because I was just kind of entranced. And I was kind of annoyed these people were laughing because I was like, I just want to listen to this kind of... It may have been me. Are you going to like hate comment me about it? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'm going to run to me once your Chasing Mavericks review goes up. Oh, no, it's up. I'll have to take it down. <laughs> uh, but I guess, okay, back to my point, which is like, um, I, I think people should be more excited about movies in general as an art form and take it more seriously in that sense and stop putting so much into these specific movies because I think that only feeds the like studio mentality of like pumping up advertising and, and capitalizing on that first weekend that, that first weekend is the most in, important thing and movies don't get a chance to, to grow because it seems like the hype and the anticipation is more important to them and to some movie watchers I think than the movie itself is and I think that's a bad way of going about it I think you should stop getting so excited about specific movies and just be excited about seeing movies in general I do have another friend in Denver who and I think I've said this on the show before because it, it just astounds me uh he, admittedly, this person's a bit more of an acquaintance than a friend, so I, there is that. But uh, I remember his whole thing about this is how he figured out what movies he was going to see. Hype. Uh-huh. By his own admission, if a movie, if there's a lot of buzz that's, or hype, if people are going to be talking about it, if it's going to be number one at the box office... He wants to see it. He does not want to be left out. And so basically, if a movie is marketed a lot, he will see it. Yeah. If they're like, which basically precludes the idea from seeing anything even remotely independent. And I, I can't, like, that sounds you know, miserable to because me. Because the only reason it has the hype is because it has the money, it seems. Yeah. But, uh, you know, not necessarily because there's like niche markets, so niches have their own hypes. And that brings me to twice this summer. I went to movies solely because within sort of the my community of friends and internet friends it they had a lot of hype in both cases and they were movies I didn't get screenings for in both cases I ended up being disappointed in them <laughs> and that's um The Cabin in the Woods and Prometheus so maybe I'm going to stop doing it. I didn't, uh, I didn't go see Looper. I didn't get a screening because oh. uh, Sony doesn't like me um, for some reason. Now, uh, David, they don't like us. You I guys not- have to see Looper. Looper's, I mean, I think that Looper's the I've, sort of thing. We need to have like three Loopers made a year instead of yeah. one Avengers. I, I love Brick. I think it's like a perfect movie. Mm-hmm. I really disliked The Brothers Bloom, so I'm kind of uh, on the phone. Oh, the you're going to love it. You're going to be yeah. mad you wasted so much time. Um, but I don't. I actually, I have kind of a theory about why people are not adventurous anymore with what movies they see. If you guys want to hear it, I do. That's what that's what kind of show you're on. All right, here's my theory. I think what is to blame is online ticketing, and I'll explain this. Because back when we were kids, like in the '90s, you know, we'd go to the movies, we'd get dropped off, and we'd get there, and the movie we wanted to see may or may not be sold out. And mm-hmm. if it was sold out, you bought a ticket to something else. You mm-hmm. and your friends negotiated what else you'd see. Now with online ticketing. You have the movie you want, you see where it's playing, you try to buy your ticket online. If you know it's sold out, you go to a different theater. You don't, there's no element of surprise. There's no like, eh, we're already here, let's go see Jingle all the way. 
<laughs> and I really think that that's kind of a, I think that's harming the exhibition business. Hmm. I, I think, think it, you know what, you're probably right that it's harming the exhibition business, but that's, uh, I don't know, I never liked that anyway. I, what? You never liked the serendipity of it? Because you yeah, gotta if take I got a some risk. Yeah, sold out, I mostly was just like, let's just go to Steak and Shake or something. Really? <laughs> yeah. I've, I've only done it once or twice. Well, you know what? Okay. Oh. <laughs> you know where I'm Can headed with this. Can I tell the story? Sure. And um, then I have another story. Well, uh, t- it's not so much a story. I went to see Bad Santa. It was sold out, so we wound up seeing Cold Mountain. <laughs> so I had to change my frame <laughs> yeah, of mind different. significantly. But uh, when Tyler and I went to the same two colleges together, um, uh, first to Southwest Missouri State University, which is now just called Missouri State University. Bullshit. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm not upset about it. Uh, and then to Columbia College, Chicago. But while we were both freshmen at Missouri State, or Southwest Missouri State, I lived in the dorms. He lived at home. And uh, we were making plans to go see Shadow of the Vampire, uh, him and our, our friend Keith. Oh, yeah. Um, and Tyler was the one with the car because we both lived on campus, Keith and I. And so Tyler was going to pick us up at a certain time. Um, I think in retrospect, what I should have done uh, and the way I kind of handle Tyler now is I should have told him the movie started 15 minutes before it actually did because Tyler's always late for everything. That's not true. I've been doing much better in the last like year. Yeah, I think you probably. I, I don't know. Now that we do the show here, I don't have to worry about it because I just come to you and you're there. Yeah, most I sure am. Most of the time. Uh, sometimes in the shower or whatever. Um, anyway. But it, uh, it's, it was perfect that you were about 15 minutes late because we missed, uh, we were too late. We weren't going to like go into, you know, Shadow of the Vampire 15 minutes in. So instead, we bought a ticket for 15 minutes starring Robert De Niro and Edward Burns <laughs> and Kelsey Grammer. And oh, yeah. it, it was horrible. Awful. <laughs> Except we like that villain. We, I don't even remember it. I don't remember the guy, but he, he had like that accent. And he's like, my name is, I don't know, let's say his name is Vlad. Know, Vlad. I am Vlad, and I am insane. Like he, you remember, like he does. Because uh, he, he has to play up his insanity, and so he just has this kind of uh, happy demeanor about the horrible things that he's done. The only part I really remember is Kelsey Grammer dramatically like spinning around and pointing at the TV. He's that's like, that's not him. Oh, that's not him. No, he's the one on the TV. He's the one I think on the TV. Okay. No, the one. It's a woman. She's like the the secretary of the building. <laughs> this is her only scene. Her in the movie. only scene, and man, she makes the most of it. She's like, "You want it, and you, you want to see it," and she points to the screen. There it is. She, just, she turns her whole body around yeah. to gesture toward the TV behind her. Yeah. There it She's is. presenting yeah. the screen. Have you seen Fifteen Minutes? No, in? but let me interject something. Okay. You saw this movie what ten years ago? Twelve. Twelve. Twelve years ago. ago? Yeah. Wandered into it by accident, and you're still talking about it, it was with that bad. pleasure. With pleasure, though, I think you're proving my point. Maybe, you wouldn't, you no, would have made this memory otherwise. No, absolutely. And and, and then I, if I if I had seen Shadow of the Vampire, then I wouldn't have seen it uh, a couple weeks later. The way I ended up seeing it on acid, which was weird. <laughs> I'm and sure. I'm, yeah. I'm glad I have I, I enjoyed it, but I'm glad I've since watched it. As it should be seen. Yeah, good call. Well <laughs> done. On high, that. right? Yeah. Just uh, weed. Yes, right. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's uh, no. That's the thing is is while uh, I uh, hate fifteen minutes with unbridled passion, um, and I'm not a big fan of Cold Mountain either. Like, I wound up seeing Shadow of the Vampire. I wound up seeing Bad Santa. I probably would not have seen Cold Mountain otherwise. I certainly wouldn't have seen Fifteen Minutes otherwise. And so there is something about like, all right. Yeah. This is, you know, there there is something to be said for that. There's a serendipity. I think people should resolve that once a month they'll just show up at a theater and buy a ticket to whatever the next movie is. Just why not? Okay, you get an asterisk if, you are, if you've already seen it. But other than right. that, I think we should take more risks. I don't Bad know or how, not. And I have no idea how anybody could uh, 
encourage that, like, in an official capacity. Like, uh-huh. I don't know. I don't know. It'd be interesting if something like uh, like AMC, like, they changed some of their uh, philosophy. And so they're, like, so it's certain theaters where they're showing, like, because there's, like, in the Valley, there are several AMC theaters. There th- there's three in Burbank. And one of them is sort of the official theater where smaller movies will go. Right. And I kind of like the idea that if they, it's like, all right, this movie, five bucks. Yeah. Instead of 12. Wait, there's three in Burbank? Yeah, the there's the... Closed. There's the one in the mall. Yeah. There's uh, the 16. There's the 16. And then there's the uh, this, the AMC Town Center 6. And that's the one I thought closed. That's no, it's, no, I saw... I, that's where I saw Dark Knight Rises. How about that? So... It might have closed since then, so it's been several, you know, it's been several months, but I think it's still there. Yeah. They're always busy, all three of them, every time I've gone. So I think something like that, but I, nobody's going to do that. I, nobody's going like, to do that, but I wish they would. Yeah. Uh, as long as we're talking about like movie going nostalgia, I do like that that AMC in the mall because it's like it's not stadium seating and it's like in a mall. It's so much like how I saw movies in like middle school, like where I saw Biodome and like oh, yeah. Spy Hard. Uh, you're exactly right like i have kind of a soft spot for this really terrible theater called the highland park three in highland park Hmm. which to me is famous only because it's where i almost got into a fist fight during wally because somebody wouldn't get off their phone and it was during the silent part of wally and she was on her phone the whole time and i'd already seen it but i'd taken people who hadn't seen it so i was it was important to me they got this experience and so i finally said can you just take your phone outside and she was like do you want to take me outside and then we had to switch seats (laughs) <laughs> but I love that because I feel like I only go to press screenings at the Arclight, which is fine. Uh-huh. But it's too nice almost. I don't feel like I'm having an out-of-home out of experience. I like sticky seats. Not sticky seats. I like sticky floors. Sticky because, seats are a different thing. Because we, I hate people talking so much, like it is so absolutely infuriating to me, uh, I I wish I could go to more screenings. There are a lot that I have to turn down because I just I, I hate am unable people? to make it. But like... I wish I wish everything I saw was a screening because then people aren't going to talk. Although there are a couple of recent exceptions to that that is infuriating oh, I had to me. The, the best experience I'm sure I've talked about on the show before because it was over a year ago when I saw uh, the press screening of uh, Jane Eyre directed by Carrie Fukunaga, which I really liked. Um, but the lies go down. Did you see Jane Eyre? Uh, yes, I did. Um, did you like it? Uh, it was a little. It was a little gray. I have uh. a problem with that story in general. Yeah. Yeah. We should talk about that. What, what are your problems with the story? <laughs> no, you know, I let hear me tell your story. my, my story. Yeah, tell your story. Because the lights are going down, the movie's starting, and there are these. Um, I, I don't know how to describe it, but the three of us here go to screenings, so we'll probably know what you're talking about. There are critics at screenings, but there are, there are also often these older ladies, like Beverly Hills older ladies. I don't know how they get in. Do you know what I'm talking about? And they bring their own food and Tupperware? Uh, that kind, yeah. I've heard of them and I've never sat next to them. Are, they, like, are you talking about the lady who I've heard takes her shoes off? Uh, I don't know if I've noticed I never that. sit near them. Uh, but th- this basically, they were talking, the movie was starting, and they didn't stop talking. And one of our fellow critics said in the most like perfect like comic book guy, nerd guy voice, he says, uh, common courtesy suggests you cease the conversation <laughs> i think i know exactly who you're talking about <laughs> well and then they stopped and, they, and and i think it was the same guy who went bravo <laughs> and i thought it was the greatest thing in the world uh, so I, I, this I, is the person i'm thinking of we were at paranormal mm-hmm. four last week uh-huh. and it was kind of a packed house so you can confirm they, that is a real movie that exists yes okay. yes i have seen we it. talked about it last week yeah. and uh teenagers a bunch of teenagers were there like to kind of fill up the place uh-huh 
and one of them spilled a little bit of soda on my friend as he was like trying to get to his seat. And the person that I'm pretty sure you're talking about turns around and says, why don't you apologize to the lady? And like, <laughs> the teenager goes, sorry. And he goes, no, why don't you apologize like a grown up? <laughs> I love this guy. This guy is kind of a, a legend in my heart. See, oh, now that is so great. When I saw Cold Mountain, oddly enough, um, I went with a friend that uh, unfortunately has since passed away, and it's and that uh, that's very sad. But uh, he was a very large man, very intimidating. Uh, he probably weighed about four hundred pounds. He had he had uh, shaved his head, uh, a gregarious sort, I'm to understand. Uh, yeah, and he uh, kept his sideburns, shaved his head though. Yeah, that's who he was. Um, anyway, and so uh, so we sat down in Cold Mountain. And this person, I mean, I'm sure I've told the story uh, on the show before, but uh, the person behind us, lights go down, movie has started. We're past the trailers now. I don't like people talking during the trailers, but, you know, I'm, I'm a bit more forgiving of that. So uh, this guy's on the phone. He's like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm in a movie. Yeah. So, uh, so what are you guys doing later? <laughs> you know, he's like, okay, where is that? No, like, how do I get there? So, like, he's, he's like, he wants directions for, and so, <laughs> so this goes on for maybe about a minute, and then my friend, that's the thing, I, I rarely tell people to be quiet, because you never know if the person wants to take it outside, and I can't fight, and so, um. <laughs> oh, I can. I, I'm not I could see, you, you seem like a, a scrapper, and so, um, but my friend, who was large and intimidating, uh. He just and this guy was right behind us. He just uh, leans back. He's like, "Hey, dude, why don't you shut the fuck up, or I'll shove that phone up your fucking ass." And the and the guy goes like, "I gotta go." <laughs> and, so, and so he hangs up immediately. And uh, I was like, "Oh, I wish I could just. I wish my friend was still around and lived in Hollywood and was totally on my schedule all the time, so I could see every movie with him because he wouldn't put up with any of that." Well, I so. could always gain enough weight to be four hundred pounds. <laughs> You go get him. I, be, I have to assume you'll have a great have time. With pineapple. Pineapple. No, this pineapple, pineapple I'm shit sure that will add pounds right away. <laughs> um, why don't you like Jane Eyre? Let me tell you, I, 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 it's close to my heart because the um, one of the few times I ever actually acted in high school, I played uh, Sinjin, the character that Jamie Bell plays in the movie. Right. Uh, anyway, that's why I've always kind of had a spot for Jane Eyre. I, I don't dislike it. I just didn't think it had a lot of life. Yeah. Yeah. And you it, said you had problems with the handsome. story. I, I guess I assumed I, I assumed you meant the novel. Yes, yeah, I do. I mean, it's... I guess I just come from a generation that... I know you can, like, read Jane Eyre as, like, a feminist hero in a way that she loves somebody and, like, holds her head up high and just... I mean, not in, like, a proud way, but just sort of keeps true to herself. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, everything about... Everything... Sometimes you... Uh, sorry, I'm having I'm having, I'm having a start and stop. I think it's easy to to tell that story in a way that makes her seem even more sad and more pathetic, and sort of like plays around almost too much in the pathos of her character, mm-hmm. and, and almost in a way that sort of like glories in it. I don't necessarily feel like this one that this Jane Eyre did it. I just thought it was handsome and a little bit staid. But also, I'm not the world's biggest Michael Fassbender fan. I feel like I almost have to like dislike him more just to try to balance it out good for you uh i think I, i'm also not the biggest fan but i like i think I, I like him i like him in inglorious bastards a lot i do too yeah that's when yeah. i come back but shame i hated that movie so much yeah. <laughs> um so i don't even know how i felt about him in it because i just hated the movie so i much. thought he was I, I think he's he's a, a fairly dependable actor and he makes some pretty good choices i liked him and he's one of the only things i really liked about prometheus um 
Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. and I liked him as Magneto. I thought he did a great job there. I saw Fish Tank recently. I thought he did a good job there. Um, I like him best in Fish Tank. I like him kind of sloppy and like messy and with life in him, I think. Yeah. And I feel like he gets drained. I think they're trying to Daniel Day-Lewis him too much. Hmm. And I, I can't beh- get behind that. Today we were fighting on Twitter about whether or not he should be the next Bond. I'm firmly in the no category. I just don't think he's... I think he's more of a ragged personality. I don't think he could be a Bond. Have you heard these rumors about Idris Elba? Yeah, that's how it got started. I was, I'm was i very firmly team Idris Elba. But it feels like, I get, I don't know, in... Daniel Craig's got two more, I guess, that he's supposed to do. Like Contracted, but I mean, have yeah. you guys seen... I have Skyfall seen... Yet? The the number of Bond movies I've seen, I can count on one hand. I, right. I don't, I'm not a fan. Anyway, but our listeners know this. Yeah. It's well-trod territory. I don't like James Bond, but anyway. Well, Skyfall is great, by the way. I'm actually, yeah. you people can't see this at home, but I'm wearing a James uh, Bond nail polish. Oh. Theme to the movie. This one's called The Living Daylights. Ah. Uh, but um, Skyfall, the major theme about it is is James Bond too old to keep doing this. And I mean, mm. with them making that such a huge plot point of Skyfall, I don't see how they can even squeeze two more out of Craig. Because it's just going to be like, now he's really too old to do this since we <laughs> told you he was too old to do this in 2012. But, you know, like, Star Trek Two is about how they're all getting old and they continue to make them for 15 <laughs> more years. Yeah, but they just get to sit in a ship. Uh, he's yeah, got to yeah. do stuff. Uh, but speaking of Fish Tank and the Bronte sisters, did you see Wuthering Heights? I have not seen that so yet. So cool. Is it? I heard it was terrible. So I was, no, I heard, oh. so, I, so I avoided it. I really do need to see it. I, I, I loved it. I mean, I don't know if I loved it because I think it does... Um, linger in its final act a little too much where it's kind of like I get it and now the character is going from being intense to just being annoying because he's not changing at all but because it's, it's like over two hours long if it were maybe an hour and 40 it would be a, one of my one of my top films of the year and it already is probably still in my top 10 no right, your market I was going to see Anna Corona next week too because it's just yeah. sort of that season of of prestige old yeah. novels but I heard Anna Corona is actually pretty good that's what I'm hearing too again uh, a different one of our other writers got got to see that one um all right well this has gone on way longer and oh, yeah <laughs> but like uh i'm sorry are we, ke- are we keeping you because uh, uh, uh what i meant to say <laughs> was like um this has gone on way longer than i realized because this has been so much fun i didn't realize an hour and a half had gone by um i'm sorry to all you people listening at home that were chattering on and on oh I, well no they're they're happy about oh, this they probably that food thing uh if they're anything like me they found it just interminable <laughs> well, oh, at the beginning? Yeah. Oh, no. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about Puerto Rican food. We're gonna, Maybe we could talk about politics and lighten the mood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll have you back, Amy, to talk about Puerto Rican food specifically. Oh, it Absolutely. is tremendous. Um, you, maybe you could be a guest host, because yeah. I will not be there for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, I, I, like, there's so much stuff I wanted. I didn't even realize it's been an hour and a half. I wanted to ask you about uh, going, to, you, uh, going to college in Oklahoma. You were a Sooner, right? Sooner, boomer, sooner. Um, uh, I'm, uh, but I'm, I also went to USC for grad school, so I can be a Trojan if you, oh, know, okay. you need me to. Um, well, now that my Mizzou Tigers—I didn't go to Mizzou, but I've been uh, sort of my family has been Mizzou Tigers fans since before I was born. But we're no longer in the same conference anymore. Uh, yeah, you, you ran away, didn't you? Yeah, and uh, I'm kind of of two minds about it. Like, <laughs> I think we'll get more media attention being. Uh, in the SEC, but um, we're going to lose a lot more as we already are this year. And uh, also, we lost our rivalry with you know we don't, we don't get the like the Kansas, the Can- Mizzou Kansas rivalry is a big deal. Are you guys it, talking it about deal. football? Yes. Okay. This is, this is important to. A lot I actually of didn't even. I didn't immediately know what yeah. you were talking about. I was like, I bet it's football. 
<laughs> it seems like football. But I was. How are you a red-blooded man from the Midwest? I don't even. Oh, he's from California. I'm he from just, California. Lived in the Midwest. I lived in the Midwest, and it did not go well. <laughs> but so. you picked up. Uh, and then I went to a. I went to one of the only colleges that did not have any sports teams. Yeah. Woo. Um, but you picked up a Colorado Rockies fandom when you lived in Colorado, right? To a certain extent. If I. But you're still more of an Angels fan. I'm an Angels fan. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was born here. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Wait. Uh, good. Good for you guys and. Uh, Enjoy having Pujols after he already gave us his Meow. best years. <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I don't give a shit, okay? I, I'm a fan. I don't, I, I don't care. But I, I wanted to ask you about Texas and Oklahoma. Like, what, what, what are you, what, what, are, what uh, sports teams? Uh, I'm a huge Oklahoma City Thunder fan. Oh, okay. Massive, massive, massive. We, I'm feeling pretty good that we might get to the finals again this year. We got to yeah. the finals last year and lost to the Heat, which really... Which really frosted my cookies. I was pretty upset. Maybe I should try watching. But I'm a hockey fan, and there's no hockey right now. So yeah. I generally don't follow basketball because I'm Join so wrapped us. up in, in hockey. Maybe it I starts should. on the 30th. It's amazing. Yeah. And it, it's going to be crazy. The Lakers are going to be insane this year because they basically bought like a superstar team. They bought the Avengers as a basketball team. Uh-huh. <laughs> but the problem is everybody they bought is really old, so it's kind of now or never. Right. I think their point guard is 37 or 38. So Steve it's kind Nash. of the Star Trek two. Skyfall yeah. of basketball, exactly. of, of Avengers basketball. Yeah, teams. they've invested millions in this, and if one of those guys hurts an ACL, that's it. Yeah, I mean, I don't see how they can pull it out, which is kind of great because I'm not a Laker fan. Yeah. Now, so, so you're not a, but you're not a Spurs fan. Well, no. I mean, I respect the Spurs, but they're just so incredibly boring. <laughs> okay. Now, so that I don't uh, kill myself. I want to uh, bring this back around to movies. Oh, okay. And I was going to ask, uh, because this is something I'm, I'm always curious about with, uh, with critics uh, specifically, um, it sounds like you've seen a lot of movies uh, from this year, but uh, what movies are you anticipating the most that you've not gotten to see yet? Oh, I can't wait to see Spring Breakers from Harmony Crin. Oh, okay. That movie's just going to blow my mind. I'm, I'm literally frothing at the mouth to see that. Everything I hear is that it's completely insane. It's, it's true, listeners. She is literally frothing at the mouth right <laughs> yeah, now. It's quite disturbing. <laughs> I, if, let's get, we can go back to sports. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't expect that. Yeah, you can actually keep the rest of those pineapples. <laughs> <laughs> no, that one. And I can't wait to see what a big disaster Jack Reacher is going to be. Because I love that series of books. Oh, the yeah? Reacher books by Lee Child. They're tremendous. I mean, they look like crap paper books from the airport. But... Like when I my ex boyfriend I walked into his bedroom for the first time he had an entire row of them there's like twenty uh-huh. and I immediately made fun of him because I thought he was a smarter person than that and then I read one and got hooked they're genius they're some of the best written thrillers I've ever read hmm. and so the idea that uh, Tom Cruise all five foot seven of him is going to play like a six foot four blonde ex military man uh-huh. with bullet scars all over his body who can break people's hands just by punching them. I, I can't wait. Like, so it's going to be the biggest disaster. And But Werner Herzog's in it, so win. Yeah. Who do you think should have played uh, Jeff Oh, Richard? hands down. I've been trying to advocate on Twitter for years that the only person who could do it is Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon. Because mm-hmm. Jack Reacher has to have an element of crazy. And he's the type of guy who, like, if he's coming at you in a dark alley and he doesn't want to hurt you, he almost apologizes in advance. I'm not scary. Because <laughs> uh-huh. you would just freak out. And I think Michael Shannon has that whiff of violence to him what about now just based on your description of the character what about a neil mcdonough uh, Ooh. since i've been rewatching band, band of brothers he's been on my mind because he's he doesn't get enough work and he's, he he's blonde work. he doesn't get enough work and he is blonde there are very few blondes in hollywood i was worried about that yesterday okay so battleship retention endorses neil, neil mcdonough well, and, and, and michael shannon 
and yes. Ma- and yeah. Michael Shannon. Yeah. Um, oh hell! Now I do not remember what I was going to say. Any oh. movie you're looking forward to? The Hobbit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. Well, did you say that because you know how I was going to react? Yes. All right. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I'm looking forward to the first, uh, I don't know, one sixteenth of that, whatever, <laughs> whatever the hell it's going to be now. Um, did you see, because, did you see The Paperboy? Loved The Paperboy. You loved it. Loved Man, I did not like boy. it. Well, it's terrible, it's, but it's amazing. <laughs> I'll give it that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not a film that, you know, it's a film my mind returns to. A lot, but uh, which and is the sign of something? It's the sign of something, and he does a really great job of setting tone and atmosphere. I really felt like gross and sweaty and sticky watching it, um, but then it's just like, man, this is there's like there's like nothing and everything going on. It's like totally it's totally Gonzo. It's yeah, it's very uh, it's very pulpy. So it's something that I can't. It's in in my review. I basically said like. You know, some movies are more or less than the sum of their parts. There is no sum to this movie. It's just parts. And uh, it's just a bunch of disparate elements that don't ever come together, but they all exist in the same frame, which is which would be kind of exciting, but I don't care about anything that's happening. Um, and it's... Uh, and I liked I liked Macy Gray. I thought she did a good job. Macy Gray's fantastic. He's had so. her in two of his movies so far. What was the other one? Uh, well, he did Precious, which for for me the grand irony of Lee Daniels, the director who we're talking about, is that he's made three movies and one of them got nominated for an Oscar, and it's his worst one, Precious. He made this movie Shadow Boxer before he made The Paperboy, and yeah. Shadow Boxer is why I was like clamoring and freaking out to see Paperboy. Have you seen Shadow Boxer? No. Because no. it may be the best movie ever made. It's on Netflix Instant, I think, okay. still. But basically the setup of Shadow Boxer, his very first film ever, is that Helen Mirren and Cuba Gooding Jr. are hitmen, and they're also lovers. And she's also his foster mom, uh, and she's also dying of cancer. And not only is that wonderful, but then you have Steven Dorff as this like bad guy who owns a zebra because they try to prove that he's rich with this establishing shot of a mansion with a zebra. And it's the same one every single time. <laughs> and then you have like their friends who um, are Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Monique. Mm-hmm. And he's a doctor. He, this is young Joseph Gordon-Levitt. This is like maybe 22-year-old Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He's a doctor and he and Monique are also lovers and she's also a crack addict. And all of these things come together, and there's, like, a baby, and there's, like, a strip scene where Cuba Gooding Jr. takes his clothes off for Helen Mirren. Like, it's the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my entire that life. so great. In, it is so <laughs> great. Yes. In my review, I did... I did uh, oh, The Paperboy. Oh, The Paperboy, yes. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I listed a lot of the things in the film, and then I said... And, and I was very proud of myself for this line, though I don't think I should be. For some reason, I was very happy, because I don't usually write like this, but I was just... I basically said, like, I'll say this. Lee Daniels is not a director of half measures. When he's a jet, he's a jet all the way. Because, <laughs> like, he, like, he'll go for it no matter what he is doing. I, like that. I should, be I should, try, right? I should try reading your reviews. <laughs> yeah, that'd be. Or just listening. West, West read that one. So, um, but, yeah. it's. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's a nutcase, and he's definitely a perv. Oh, no but, question about it. Yeah, but what I... What I admire about him is something must happen when he's on set, some sort of alchemy between him and his actors, because he gets them to do stuff that they would not agree to do for anybody else. I mean, the stuff that he puts Nicole Kidman through in this movie that she plunges into wholeheartedly, you know, the peeing, the masturbating, the like giving Mm. herself like an orgasm, like everything that she does, 
she hasn't acted that alive in like 11 years. She's been this like Oscarified zombie ice princess, and like he found something in her that was like female yeah. again, you know. And nobody else has. You have to love him for that. And the, I mean, it got laughs in the in the screening that I saw. Just the sheer amount of time that Zac Efron is not wearing anything except underwear <laughs> to the point where there's even a scene listeners you know this Amy you know this already but listeners there's a scene where the character arrives the, the scene starts and he's in clothes but then somebody shows up who's like those are my clothes take them off right now <laughs> he's not gonna wait for you to go in the other room like take them off right now in the presence of everybody most notably the camera and the director but like and it's just uh and now that, that's what got laughs like because everyone's just like seriously you can't even let let a scene go by where he has clothes on for the whole scene and it's exactly. just and it's that kind of thing where it's just it's there's an admirable quality to it except i just found it uh, the film ultimately uh, very dissatisfying but uh exactly and think about this in 2011 if you ask me to name the most interesting and memorable films of that year i'm actually going to have to sit here and think about it for 5 minutes but 2012 between Paperboy, Cloud Atlas, Looper, this year is turning out to be completely insane, and it makes me so happy. Did you? I, s- I actually thought 2011 was uh, an amazing year of movies. I, lots of stuff really? that was right up my alley. Yeah, sure. I, I, thought, mean, it was, I, was, I thought it was fine. There were some was, movies that I, I loved, but there weren't very many. Uh, really? This actually, is I wish my I could favorite pull year for my, movies since 2008. Um, um, see, in 2008, I think, is uh, a dis- uh, apart from Rachel Getting Married, which is amazing, I think 2008 is a bit of a lackluster. What are you year. kidding? That had Synecdoche, New York. That Which had I hated. I'm not the here. It had. It had I hated that too. I hated oh my all god! Those but last year had um, I was you know Take Shelter, Tree of Life. Um, uh, oh, the, you like those um, type of movies? Uh, the Future was one of my favorites. Um, what's the What's the one I always forget the name of? Um, the Mill on the Cross. The Mill on the Cross uh, was an amazing movie. You guys have been doing this show a long. We're time. old friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought last year had a lot of stuff that uh, felt maybe more um, formally daring. My favorite movie last year is Moneyball. I didn't like Moneyball. I loved it. Where, where do you fall in Moneyball? It exists. <laughs> it's charming. Boo. But at Synecdoche, New York, it was actually like bef- way before we actually got you know, actually you know, in, in invitations to screenings and stuff. That was just something I saw and wrote a review of on the website and um one of the first reviews i wrote and one i'm still proud of but i I feel like synecdoche new york is a movie that i personally can't stand at all like i don't even like thinking about it but i don't uh i don't think the people who love it are wrong like i just think it's it's so intensely not for me that uh how can that movie be intensely not for you you are a man who will someday face his own death in mortality you are a guy who from what you've told me has like contributed in theater and trying to make art for the world no i that's the thing i am not that that, that's exactly what i get care about art no i care about art i am not a creator of art i'm 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 i i I criticize and i analyze and i interpret but i don't and you facilitate uh, when you were a sound guy. You facilitated. I did. I don't. Do, I, I don't do that anymore. Yeah. Well, Maybe Snack Key is for the person I was becoming in high school, but I've changed. No. I've become uh, less a, awesome. a, analytical and not creative. I eventually. Oh, I eventually. <laughs> I don't think that's a bad. Thing. I know, but it really sounded like you were having to go at yourself there. But uh, the. Um, I saw it eventually. Uh, I saw it maybe two or three years uh, later. No, two years, and uh, I wound up. Uh, loving it 
much to much to my surprise. I, based on stuff that David had said and, and a couple other reviews, it, it sounded like it might be a little too abstract for me, but I did I did kind of love it. Well, now you know to never trust a thing he says. Oh, I'm way and, past that. No, uh, but I so I don't begrudge you liking Snacky. I just oh, I, just I don't think like it. I love it. Okay, but I, and you know who else loves it? Who also put it as their number one in the top films of the millennium? Top, top or of the of the decade of the of the aughts? Sure. I did it, and so did Roger Ebert. We both put it at number one. Awesome. Yeah. Good for you guys. He's not what he used to be. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> I'm well, joking, least... of course. He's pretty great. <laughs> my favorite, my, my number one, that I'm, the movie I put as number one of, the, of that decade was Shane Meadows' This is England. I don't know if you saw mm. that. No, I didn't see that. About, and I won't now because you don't like my movie, so why would I watch yours? Oh, I think I saw the play of that. Um, <laughs> sir. But I'm Not There is... I I really also dislike that movie because um, to me it's just like Passion of the Christ in that it assumes you already feel a certain way about its subject. So I feel like I'm not there is for people who think of Bob Dylan the way that the that Christians think of Jesus, and I don't I don't care that much about Jesus or Bob Dylan. I mean I like Bob Dylan's music, but well, I, see I actually strongly dislike Bob Dylan a lot. When and Bob Dylan and I have the same birthday, but I still think he's a terrible person. <laughs> And I like. I think that this film could have only been made about somebody like Bob Dylan. I'm sorry. Who, uh, Are you supposed to just like people you have the same birthday as? I like well, Anthony Burgess. Yeah. I, I, somehow we're like cosmically linked. Yeah. Yeah, but I I I like that he's a person who is revered as a god, but was also a total shithead. And I think that he had so many sides to him that this movie actually got to get to. But I feel like even when it's showing like the, uh, you know, his darker sides it's still like reveling in them and like glorifying them and looking and saying isn't this cool that sounds like something you brought to it maybe i have uh yeah existing feelings by people who hold bob dylan up on too much of a pedestal well and, and also you, you, that's, can't, you can't escape subjectivity when you're watching the movie but that also uh, that's something that happens with like those uh like warts and all biopics and i do recognize that it's much more than simply that but like I think it is. It assumes a, a love for its its subject, or at least a, a respect or sympathy. And as a result, they spend so much time like making this person real that if you don't have that the, the positive association with them, you're just like, why am I watching a movie about this irredeemable asshole? <laughs> yes, I, I am talking about Gainsbourg. Uh, I saw the movie and thought like there are parts of it that are interesting, and I. But ultimately, it's like eh, this music sounds pretty good, but uh, wow. I yeah. don't like this person, and I don't want to spend any more time with him. That is music I really do like. The music, yeah, it's, yeah, it sounded great, but, but I wish they'd spend more time on it. But in terms of a biopic, like one thing that I'm not there did that was so right is it told the story, but without even having to shoehorn in some sort of like uplift and then crash and then like yeah, every, yeah. because every biopic, weirdly enough, even though all humans are individual snowflakes, is exactly the same. Yeah, and they found mm-hmm. a way to make it different, and they found a way to show every side of him. And to just really play with it. Plus, I just think it's super bold to, to do casting like that. And if you like Cloud Atlas, I do not know what your problem is. I, I, don't, I have no problem with the casting. I love uh, Palindromes, which did a similar yeah. thing. Uh, I thought that was a really great movie. Um, I'm a fan of biopics where you don't know anything more about the character at the end than you did at the beginning, such as Michael Mann's Public Enemies, or even to some extent, J. Edgar from last year. I didn't mm-hmm. love, but I liked it a lot more than other people did. Uh, 
<laughs> I don't know. Some, I, I get some sort of just enjoyment out of the fact that I, you spend two and a half hours with the character and don't know a damn thing about. If they had ma- if they had focused more on the intangibility of J. Edgar Hoover, I would have loved J. Edgar. But as it is, they only touch on it a little bit towards the end, and the rest of the time, I feel like they really think they're being probing. I didn't like. I do did not like, like J. Edgar? J. Edgar. Oh, absolutely not. It's a freak show. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you like Public Enemies? God, it was one of the most boring things I've seen. <laughs> yeah, no. all right. David's um, movies you're usually like. Hey, you know what? I can't get a, I can't get a read on you now. Yeah, we got to have you back because I oh, think because no. I, like... I think you hate the movies I love and the movies David loves. I don't know who you are. <laughs> I like to make to New York. There is that. So. Yeah. I feel like we got a lot. Of, we, we have a lot of common. We like pineapples, but you know, there's everything some... else is all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, we we should we should definitely have you back if if you will. You know, we'll talk off air. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, uh, about you know whether or not you <laughs> like us at all. Um, thank you for being here. Absolutely. Uh, thank Amy, you again for having me. Um, you can find us at battleshippretension.com where there's uh, you can listen to the show or read reviews there. Um, Email us, david at battleshippretension.com or tyler at battleshippretension.com. Follow me on Twitter at The Pretension and follow Tyler on Twitter at More Lessons, which is the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, at morethanonelesson.com. My other podcast, uh, sporadic podcast, is the... uh, sort of uh, television uh, review wrap-up show previously on. That's previouslyonshow.com. So, uh, Amy, where can people find you and your work on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Amy Nicholson, and I just that's, the, that's where I'll put all my links to everything. Great. So, again, thank you for being here. This actually was a blast. Uh, it's now been an hour and 45 minutes plus, uh, so that, that should speak to how much fun I've been having. Uh, I don't know. I, I can't speak for Tyler. He, he, well, he it's miserable. I do enjoy, I always enjoy having my manhood question because I don't like football. Something that, incidentally, <laughs> I've been doing forever. But I it's felt fine. like she was questioning more your Americanness. Yeah, you look like a commie pinko to me. Yeah. No, hang on, hang on. As listeners know, I am a, I'm a bit more right leaning, and thus more American than you guys. <laughs> we all know that. You're making assumptions about Amy's political point of Fair view. Fair enough. She's actually, yeah, she's to the right of Pat Buchanan. <laughs> uh, and we're going to end without her being able to defend herself. Thank Absolutely. you for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.